Hi, this is Lisa, and welcome back. It's our third episode of Nashville on the Rocks. On this episode, we talk to an incredibly talented and accomplished musician. He's a world-class drummer, recording and touring with many popular artists. He's the creative drive behind Nashville's Loud Jam Sessions. He's an educator, and he continues to be a centerpiece and facilitator to a thriving music scene and network of Nashville musicians. We had the honor of talking with our friend, Tom Hurst. Oh my God, I am so excited to have you here um, on Nashville on the Rocks. I am a little nervous because this is a really big episode for me. This is my third episode and I'm just so excited and proud to have you as my guest. Um, I have seen you around Nashville for a few years now. And before we like jump in and tell everybody who you are it was one of those things like every major event i went to you were there and uh you were always so nice and so kind and so wonderful and then you know people would be like do you know who that is i'm like who is that and they're like that's tom hurst he put everything together i'm like oh okay and then like it made me a little nervous because i was like Ah, don't do that to me. Like, I'm fine if I just talk to people normally and I have no idea their background. I have no idea. I don't want to know anybody, anything about anybody. I don't want to mess me up. But I really just enjoyed that because I was like, oh, you're just so like, you know, you just look like a normal guy standing in the crowd. And here you are, this amazing, talented drummer who has done all of these incredible things. You have like this resume that is like pages long (laughs) all the people you've played with all the stuff that you've done so bottom line is i'm very excited to have you here i'm I'm honored i mean i i I hope i can live up to half of that no it's (laughs) it's gonna be great well it's like it's like the one thing i always say too i'm always really impressed the fact that nashville has so many fantastic musicians that are very just chill very calm the egos don't fly here it it's different than a lot of other places, I assume, in my own experience, but mm-hmm. that's what I find with Nashville is that everybody's like chill, everybody's yeah. calm, they want to work together, you know, and it's like no one wants to deal with. There's not a lot of room for drama. That's what it is. Yeah. There's, you put it perfectly. There's not a lot of room for that. It's, there's better things to do. There's music yeah. to be made, there's art to be made, there's performances and creativeness. And, it's just no one wants to hang out with a person that thinks that they're better than everybody, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's always nice because, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. And sometimes yeah. when you meet your heroes, it's disappointing. So yeah. uh, I am still always very appreciative of that. So welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm yes. so honored. I love what you and Dan are doing. I think oh, this good. is going to be a smashing success. I think we're doing a good I think we like it. Right, babe? We're having fun. We're, we're newbies and we're learning oh. as we go. It's a work in progress. It's like yes. everything. I mean, you, yeah, you know how to stand. It gets like being, I, I just threw myself off the cliff. You say about the shows, <laughs> all those shows you went to. Trust me, I. that's not me. That's all the people, you know, I, I was like, hey, this would be fun to do, but I didn't right. know how to do it. You just kind of might just as well try. One foot in front of the other. Exactly. Here you go. But I actually have 
quite a few questions that I want to answer you. And sure. it, it took me a little bit to kind of refine them because I was like, I really wanted them to kind of showcase what you've done. Yeah. I want you to talk about like, I, I want people to know about like your background and like, you know, what you did before Nashville, sure. coming to Nashville and kind of what you're doing now. So if we could, but yeah. my first question that I think is like the most important question for me that I always want to know with people is, um, what was your first rock album that you bought <laughs> that is funny because i actually probably didn't buy it um <laughs> my dad had a lot of vinyl you know dad okay. and uh he he passed when i was very young so i didn't i, mm -hmm. I was he was a scuba diver and engineer and but he died scuba diving so oh, there, wow. we had a i had this big album collection and he had things like led zeppelin and credence and so i oh, heard nice. that stuff in the house okay. and dad played too played drums as a hobby that's kind of how i got started oh. so we can we'll go on that but album wise um it's probably it was actually uh you know vinyl that was given to me was my cousin alex was a gigantic uh rush and kiss fan and you know journey and like going to all those he's, all the yeah. great bands yeah i mean he was Classic. like he never Classic. missed kiss and now funny because sacrilege here and you know y'all know christopher williams was my roommate for a while and everything yeah. and I, we love the i love what the, i respect the heck out of kiss but they're just not one of my personal bands i just right not a fan <laughs> you know uh admire them but but yeah so i would i believe I believe it was probably either you could kind of say either it was a journey album that had um uh, uh wheel in the sky whichever what okay. what album is that i'm so dumb uh it was and, before escape right yeah, yeah, yeah so because i think that's still was i think that might have still been ansley dunbar on drums but that might be it's probably journey and then definitely cassette wise i know at christmas i got a who cassette and i got rush signals oh my god so this is the funny thing you know me the, the music guy i was way more into bmx like motocross and okay. um skateboarding and surfing and stuff in those days i really didn't buy a lot of albums and things i you know i played okay. drums but drums were sort of like they were kind of a sideline to it's my like a secondary thing bmx was my deal like oh, wow. I, I raced heavily i traveled a lot to race and stuff so i was a little backwards yeah. but yeah i would say you know a very circuitous answer probably the in the album i definitely spent the most time listening to was that rush signals record so okay. it's not as far back as you would think you know i mean me being 54 years old I, I I was a little bit of a late bloomer with that stuff. No, it, that is cool because I always like to know the pattern, like the path of how people like come across like music, especially mm -hmm. like the music, the first music that they get into. Yeah, that's like different from outside influences. Like, I grew up to parents that listened. My dad didn't listen to anything past 1950s rock and roll. I probably can sing every lyric to every rock and roll song in the 50s. Uh, he <laughs> likes Neil Diamond and Kenny Rogers. That's it. That's My mom listened to Air Supply and all the 80s soft rock. I, I was pulling from nothing. You know what yeah, I mean? I, no, I hear you. I, so <laughs> I, I, I'm always fascinated when people like come from, you know, their parents listen to that or something. And I always think that you and Dan yeah. grew up in the best music Time no, frame. no argument there. You I, did. No, to be fair, that's the other thing, and I, I just thought about this because it really where the my earliest immersion in music was actually in elementary school, and the guy who got us started lives here in Nashville. There's a guy named Joe First. Hmm. He was my elementary school music teacher. He had just gotten out of the University of Florida because you know that's where I grew up in Gainesville, and uh, I think he he. I've since talked to him about it. He said he was floundering in the job. Barely. Really? He thought he was going to get fired. <laughs> you know, he's fresh out of college. Well, somehow I must have mentioned with my big mouth that, you know, that 
I have a drum set. I didn't even know how to set the thing up. I, you know, I'm, in, I'm in fourth or fifth grade. Well, he Aww. talked to my mom and they said, hey, you know, why don't we, uh, you know, could we borrow the drum set and bring it to school? Okay. And because we had a couple of my classmates were played in their church and they played, they grew up in the gospel, you know, R&B, you know, setting. Nice. So really the first music and the, still to this day, the music I really love was bands like Chic, you know, mm-hmm. um, Earth, Wind and Fire. Okay. And that's the stuff he was hipping us all to because all my buddies, you know, played in their churches. And so they taught me how to set up my drum set like i mean i literally didn't even understand like where to put the hi-hat or it was just it it was like a piece of furniture in the house because like i said dad had passed and we just still had the drums so that's yeah so fifth grade is like that and that led to me wanting to then get into into band in middle school but yeah it's it's probably funk and soul bands like that that were the first ones i was listening to and then my cousin alex moved down and he's mr you know rush kiss journey (laughs) (laughs) yeah I i think if it wasn't for like my cousin i probably wouldn't know a few like a few i think my cousin was the first person to mention like tom petty to me you know oh, what i mean wow. i was like what's tom petty you know like now that's funny you know yeah. i went to the same high school as tom petty are you serious yeah gainesville high oh, that's there you hilarious go. also two of the eagles uh they went to gainesville high um uh, don felder and uh bernie ledden all right looks like something's in the water down there too i know right yeah. i mean and it's funny and you know and again sacrilege man now of course i love them but as a kid i had no interest in petty i mean we'll get into this that's but i was funny. like i was you know duran duran and nxs and the police Oh my gosh. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, oh, because in Gainesville, all you ever heard was Tom Petty, Leonard Skinner, Molly Hatchet, you know, because they're all from from North Florida. Yeah. And I couldn't have cared less about any of that stuff. I get that. I get that after. Now I dig them. Don't get me wrong. I I can fully appreciate them. (laughs) No, see, and that's that's always where it's kind of interesting because, like, your musical influences that you have growing up shape you initially. And then you kind of find your way with the rest of it. So, having people in your family, you know, I mean, that bring you to that path. So once you kind of start getting into like playing the drums more and you Mm -hmm. were playing in band, did you ever like have a band of your own? Yeah. As far as like a group. Yeah. Yeah. Like Um, where were you like, I'm going to do this like, outside of school you know, sure sure I, you know, the funniest thing i tell this story i think i've told you know ain't on something on either with friends or stuff um i actually got kicked out of a few bands because i wasn't really that committed i was again way more interested in racing bmx and i I'll distinctly remember again Rush. i mean that's also fun well yeah and it's yeah. it's just my heart was more there and and i just it it's so weird because like the groovy kind of drumming of like a Tom Petty and stuff always came easy to me, but okay. playing like, but I, I liked progressive rock stuff because again, my cousin and my buddies were all into it. So my friends are like trying to play stuff like, um, uh, limelight by rush. Okay. And they literally kicked me out of the band cause I couldn't play it. I, I, I was too lazy to really learn how to count it. And like now, and this is funny, anyone who knows me now, <laughs> if you ever see me on a gig, I'm always, they, I've got drummer friends who tease me cause I'm, they see me, my eyes over, I'm always reading whatever I play. If you saw me okay. on loud jams, yep. I write out every, Everything. That's funny. Back then, I couldn't have written down a rhythm to save my life, so I'm totally backwards. And and right. that's the thing to play something like Neil Peart, man. You know, you got to study. Yeah. You know, and I was so not studious. <laughs> so you're like, I'm gonna get in there and I'm just gonna play it. Yeah. I just, I mean, man, I was struggling to play under my thumb by the stone. So forget <laughs> limelight. I'm like, what three, four? What are you talking about? So and the funny thing was, from very early on, I've always been lucky to have friends who were really fine musicians. Whether it's someone like Chris Nix, you know, mm-hmm. all these friends, you know through the years even back then i was this guy steven wicks rest his soul he passed he's an incredible guitar player and his dad just happened to be the band director for the university of florida so he grows up in this really musical household and then i'm getting together to jam but yes yeah so you could say i i didn't i didn't really start doing any kind of band stuff like in middle school 
it was just I was just in the the middle school band. Okay, um, Howard Bishop, <laughs> and uh, you know played my little percussion thing. And I will say, my band director there, he just had his retirement ceremony last week. Actually, oh, Everett funny. McCon, man, he really got me started. He was like, Tom, you need to learn. Back then, it was Thomas, one <laughs> Tom or Tommy in middle school. Thomas, yes, Thomas is what my favorite. You talk to my parents, it's not Tom, it's Thomas. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, he was got me on the right track. And drummers will know this is called the Haskell Har uh, snare drum book. And it's like, you know, that he made me, oh. he put me in a practice room. He says, look, I really see you have potential. Yeah. And so for seventh grade, made me do it. But in eighth grade, he let me bring my drum set to school. You mentioned Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. We did the jazz singer medley. Oh, my Lord. Now, okay. Now this, <laughs> this is where, this was the first time it dawned on me and I got serious about drums because they put the drums up near the front of the band while I'm sitting right next to the clarinets and the flutes. And girls who never gave me the time of day in the band suddenly were very interested in me when we played drum set and I, I'm playing the drum set by I'm like oh this this is pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> so that honestly my motivation was like man the chicks seem to dig this <laughs> so, <laughs> well because there's probably not too many girls out playing BMX you know yeah, what I mean well, so and you that get was to it. hang at, out you know, with them more. at the races you know and I mean skateboarding any, everything oh, else I was doing is a bunch funny. of dudes that's <laughs> so, so funny yeah I, I and I think and then of course as you, you know moving on that's that definitely became the motivation in high school too like wait if I play the parties you know uh, yeah. I get to meet the girls <laughs> that so. is yeah you're definitely not the only you're yeah, not the, not only, the only guy that ever figured that, that one out <laughs> no nope that is too funny babe why did you become a singer uh my brother made me sing <laughs> He's like, get out there and sing. I don't Man. care if you're scared. <laughs> I, 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 dude, I, I was like sick to my stomach to play a, a ke- uh, like a keg party on drums. I couldn't imagine having to be out in front. Like uh, yeah. I literally almost threw up. Like, and uh, again, it's because I had to play Tom Sawyer on this. You know, I could barely go. <laughs> and you're just putting it all together. Yeah. So. so- Oh, by the way, I was only kidding about my brother. I loved singing and everything. I don't want my brother to see this and go, hey, man, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm like, I know I know. Uh, your brother was big on guitar, and you were always, uh, well, bass and, and vocals, too. But Yeah, started at bass and See, all singing. the best singers are are bassists, too. That's yeah, like that, I noticed- you know, I love that. Like, you think about, you know, when Sting, Peter Cetera, all these mm-hmm. guys are, I mean, you know, the, the cooler Chicago years. <laughs> when they were rocking. That, yeah, when they were, when they were moving and grooving a little bit. Bit more, yeah, yeah, a little yeah. Less, not so uh, much. You're the inspiration. I shouldn't yeah. knock that because that's what Generation Radio. That's actually that's, you, we'll get to that. No, that <laughs> we need to. That'll that just adds to it. So after you're like kind of figuring this out and like mm-hmm. you're a teenager and whatnot. So uh, you played well. Like I guess what took you? All right. So you're like okay, the girls dig this. I like it. <laughs> I like the girls digging me. Yeah. So like that's when you started to become more serious with it because you went to school for music. Yeah, it is high, uh, really in high school. Uh, still was big on the BMX thing till I was about 15. I mean, I was racing like, you know, in the Southeast and like, you know, I, I had finally gotten good. Your I, mom must have almost had a heart attack. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was always, well, you know what the deal was is that she was, I was saving. I was mowing lawns like a fiend when I was my son's age now, like 11, 12 years old. And I had saved up enough to buy what I wanted was a YZ80. I wanted to race motocross, motocross. Oh my God. Mom's deal with me. She had seen the BMX track that was near our neighborhood. She's like, Thomas, could you maybe not do the motocross and you know and do like the bike 
thing. And she's, so she didn't want me on them. And I was like, yeah, I get it, mom. Okay. And I had a lot of friends racing. So that's why. That's a really nice way to say it. Yeah. It was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. She was really cool about it because she respected the fact. I think at the time I'd saved like four or 500 bucks, you know, mowing lawns. And back in, you know, the early 80s, that was a lot of money. money. (laughs) Like late 79, 80, whenever that was. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of how. So to get, um, as I was getting into high school, I was on a team and traveling, but I also just happened to luck out. The high school I went to, Gainesville High, had a really good band program okay and you know i was always kind of doing and and i got introduced to being in drumline like the competitive okay. and our band program was a highly competitive went to all sorts of events and mm. and and that meeting a lot of those folks matter of fact one of the instructors i met there or that taught me as a freshman right out of this guy named paul Rorig. and uh, actually ironically enough i think he lives in syracuse now or no i think he's in dc mm. but anyways yeah paul um Fast forward a couple of years was who eventually recommended me to audition for the Disney uh, student musician program like my during my uh, senior year of high school. That's really cool. Yeah. So those those four years at Gainesville High, I, I was lucky to be in a drum line with again, I was far and away the worst drum set player out of about five of us. And I'm not feigning <laughs> humility or I mean, it's a fact. I'll stand by Dave, uh, David Hawsey, John Jackson, Chris Barber and, and Brett. <laughs> I'm still buddies with People all of them. People that you can name them oh, all. Waterhouse. Like... Oh, yeah. Brett Brett Waterhouse, he just retired from the military. He's like command sergeant major in Europe. And I mean, he's phenomenal. These guys wow. could they, they could play Zeppelin and Doobie Brothers and Van Halen. Man, again, I was struggling with under my thumb. Oh, my you know? God. That's funny. The only thing I had going is that I got lucky during high school is that some one of my buddies, again, all the way back from elementary school, his dad had a funk and soul band. And his dad heard me play one day and says, your little friend, he used to call me Young Blood. He's like, Young Blood Thomas over there can lay it down. That's okay. they they and they started using me. I got kicked out of several of these like the, the little uh, garage bands. Yeah. But the guy that was actually working and getting paid on weekends hired me to just play Freak Out. That's so hilarious. That's what. So I was working like junior year of high school. Heck, I played with the Drifters and the Marvelettes out in Louisiana during my senior year of high school because of this same guy. His name's Leonard Perry, and just because they liked my feel, they didn't care that's if I could funny. play. I couldn't play all the fancy fills and stuff. I was, so, which is weird because anyone here knows me now knows I'm kind of I overplay like just like I talk. You know, well, you, you like to you like to do your thing and yeah. and, and make it happen. I don't want to use the word. You like to embellish. Well, I love to. I love technical music. Exactly. Like, you know, and now anybody that knows me is like, oh, Tom, God, he's going to be like playing, you know, some crazy song. And, you know, like on Wild Jams, I'd usually right. play some. And, but I was not that guy. Like, I really was just hanging on by a thread. So, you know, it was drumline kind of helped me to learn the the vernacular of drum, of percussion and music. And that sure. began, you mentioned about going to school for music. Even coming out of high school, I really was resistant to it because yeah. no one in my family did that. Everyone, it was, the, it, it was kind of the, how are you going to make a living doing that? You know, that's like, everyone in my family had more degrees than a thermometer you know it's like you know mom's like that's great you can play the drums but what are you gonna actually do to pay the bills right she's like how are you gonna make money well and And that's disney pops up that's i end up out at disney as like a junior no excuse me senior year of high school but before that to get one thing i would be remiss and i marched drum and bugle corps because you guys being in rochester there was a group we used to compete against called avant-garde okay and they were really good they had a great drum on but i marched with a group out of miami florida wave and i would my buddy and i would travel down 
that was after our junior year of high school. So that's really drum and bugle corps is where I really started to be around higher level musicianship. Caliber musician. And yeah, and to like learn and to realize how deficient I was if I was going to be serious about it. And, you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't of the mindset like I'm going to go make a living. It's just like I just wanted to be proficient. Yeah. And so that that was kind of it's that later those later years of high school. You so know. you were you were just kind of like digging it more like um what were you listening to at the time oh that's good now that i i definitely during high school i went well see and i was i was really kind of all my buddies listened to zeppelin and van halen and you know like um ken awesome. ken block who's the founder of sister hazel if you're familiar with those guys mm -hmm. ken and i grew up playing football together too because i played boys club football mm -hmm. and you know he's another one they were all you know scorpions but van halen was like the That's thing awesome. like you know and, and of course we all heard lots of tom petty but i wasn't listening to that stuff what i really fell in love with is missing persons came to gainesville okay. this would have been probably during my junior year and as as i was getting more and more interested like i knew i didn't really like i mean not to say i'd love van halen now but i just wasn't that into him it's just like mm -hmm. zeppelin petty i just they didn't resonate with me sure. something about seeing those kind of alternative rock bands well and the, the band that got my, my ear was the police mm. i mean they are my all-time favorite band to this day stewart's my guy that's it, it sounds like with everything that you're saying that makes total sense yeah yep like it would be well you know and it, it eventually you'll see as we discuss like some of the other because where my heart is musically now i mean one of my biggest heroes is came up in rochester steve gadd you know mm -hmm. i mean most any drummer worth their salt knows that guy right and you know and the thing about it is there's something about, I think, Stuart that in the police, there's an energy to him. And mm -hmm. the, sonically, it was more interesting to me. I'm now like now I kind of know it's like literally the, the, you know, Sting writes in different key signatures than mm -hmm. your average. A lot of rock bands are in like E, A, D. I like flat keys. I like band keys like F, B flat, okay. E flat. I've figured that out now. Like I love minor tonality. Like we were talking about Big Wreck. There's it's certain yep. things resonate with my ear. I'm not a big fan of like guitar rock, mm -hmm. typical AED, mm -hmm. you know, it just doesn't catch me. And so, you know, by loving the police and seeing missing persons live, they were doing, it was the rhyme and reason tour. And I mean, Terry Bozio just blew my mind, Yeah, you know, they, and they were just such a Dale, the whole band. I still, to this day, I'm a huge Warren Cucurillo fan. You know, he went on to play with Duran Duran, but that, that That's period. Awesome. And so there was kind of like, you've had bands like NXS coming on the fix, um, that's I guess everyone would say it'd be kind of new wave. I love Duran Duran. Sure. A lot of my buddies all tease me on that one. Duran oh, Duran. I was band. like, I stood my ground. I'm like, I think these guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember how big that band was back in the day? Oh, they were dude. huge. Are you kidding me? I danced around in my living room on to Friday night videos to the reflex. <laughs> flex, 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 flex. That's oh, awesome. That was one of my best friends. Like that was like one of her first like big concerts. She saw them really? in New York. Oh yeah. cool. I know. I know they it's just crazy. came through here. They they were here in Nashville were this they? past week, and for and like I couldn't. I, that. I went See, and saw there's Big so Rack, many things but, going on here. Oh man, that that was one because I I just read John Taylor, the bass player's book, and you know, and it's just, but that really, those guys, that's what was weird is like growing up in a place like Gainesville. That's you know this, you, you know, I mean, all these people. I think Stephen Stills went to my <coughs> went to Gainesville High. A bunch of these musicians, and none of them were bands like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I couldn't have cared less. Oh, about. that's funny. You know, now I can yeah. appreciate it, of course. But like, it's I wanted to be in that world of that alternative kind of sure. kind of i guess new wave of the early like, to mid 80s it's just something that like and that's interesting that you 
talking about it like now you know what you liked about it mm-hmm. but back then you know maybe you didn't have the vocabulary for it or you weren't even thinking about it that no, way it's just how it, it it just resonated you know um i'm sure we'll, we'll allude to it you know tyson with rare hair mm-hmm. i remember years ago he was helping me with loud jams and he came to me about starting rare hair and he says what do you think i said well i think everyone in town will love it i said i could care less because i don't like any of that stuff <laughs> and he laughed he laughed and i was like and again that sounds so judgmental i don't mean that as like i can appreciate it all and of course since then i've sure. played all kind of rare hair shows and I have a blast. I love it. But right. it was, again, that era. You either had to be like classic rock guy. And you, yeah. I can parallel it all to Nashville. You're either the the rock residency with, yep. you know, Phil and, and Ryan and those guys. Or you're Tyson with the rare hair. And I yep. didn't want any of it. So, hence, that's where Loud Jams came from. That is cool. Because I, I wanted to do the music that I liked. And people were always like, you know, man, these Loud Jams playlists are so weird. I'm like, well, that's the idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> selfishly, that's the only I'm not. We're doing it for free. Right. <laughs> you know? You're like, I want to enjoy enjoy what we're doing and and play it so that's I'm, what got me rolling though in high school that no that's that cool. music kind of moved me and you know and then being at, at you know of course in the drum corps thing leads to being out at disney world and that's where i started to meet like uh, high-end musicians that has got to be a, i mean an experience that one could only have living in florida mm-hmm. i mean not to say that like i, I mean i know people throughout years like that like went down to Disney to do various things. But I would assume that if you're there, it's yeah, kind of, it's, 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 it's like somebody who grows there. up here, you exactly. know, you have your, it's the old, you got to be present to win and you mm-hmm. have access to things like somebody growing up in Nashville has such access yep. to the business on a level. Most of us can't conceive of. Right. And I mean, you guys are don't from even a, know about it. Yeah. Rochester is a major music town. You know, even mm-hmm. little Gainesville has a lot of, you know, musical, you know, kind of, I don't sure. know, panache or whatever. But yeah, that being close to Disney. And the thing is, in those days, in the 80s, I think Disney had over 350 full-time musicians. Wow. I mean, I, I was you had to be... Well, we're a, it was a right-to-work state, but it was just understood you joined the union. It was kind of mm. like, wink, wink. Because, <laughs> because they negotiated, the union negotiated our contracts, and I mean, with sure. Disney. And the crazy thing about it is Disney was great to us. I mean, that's so good. I'm jumping a little ahead, but I basically... No, that's fine. I, the whole deal was that I you know went out there as a student musician while I was still in high school school okay. and I started college but I had met people out there I'd worked several seasons they would hire you like at Christmas sure. and we would perform in the parks and then you they you know we'd play for like two weeks there's Christmas in Florida yeah right Florida's yeah. like 90 the whole year round. oh that's right? exactly it's the same old thing and you know, it's just nothing that's you know awesome. yeah basically you know nothing changes but we'd uh and through that they did have an all-american band in the summer and now I never made that they that that's where players from all over the country would come in and, and we a lot of kids from Eastman North Texas that's big funny. big music program but I sort of backdoored it being in that in that uh, student program and a couple people that knew me from that when an opening came up in one of the full-time bands at Epcot that was like a you know working professional group with benefits they all called me down there they didn't call me Tom or Thomas or Tommy it was Jethro Jethro Hence, that's where the jam and Jethro on my social media comes from oh my god Jethro yeah and they weren't saying they didn't think I was jamming they thought oh. I was a big goofy kid are but, you serious yeah, oh yeah oh god I'll, I'll get to that <laughs> all the musicians there were so good I mean you know again lots of North Texas grads Indiana Berkeley you know I think we had some people from Eastman mm, I see where this is going yeah, a lot, yeah very very elite elite and they knew it yeah that was, that's <laughs> Very, exactly very what it's snobby say. at times and they yeah. and they see this big dumb kid from North Florida and basically the only reason I got hired is I was it was an atmosphere group called T-Bone Brass and it was uh, I was playing bass drum 
Okay. I wasn't playing drum set or anything. Don't let me like build it. But, but they, the band was amazing. Eight trombone players, two tubas, like the Dirty Dozen brass band. Sure. And these guys were incredible. I mean, we'd play, you know, again, Earth, Wind, and Fire and uh, Tower of Power and all kinds of crazy stuff. Built a lot of, lot of kind of big band jazz arrangements, but with like pop tunes. Sure. And so I just was the bass drummer in the group. And there were three drummers. You know, there was a guy playing snare drum. Like, because we were a moving, uh, what they call a, they call us atmosphere groups okay. and we do six to seven sets a day five days a week i mean between 10 in the morning and five in the afternoon it's like the, a lot of playing yeah you know we but the sets are like 20 minutes so okay. i mean it's the crazy easy job other than it's hot as hell right yeah <laughs> um, you're probably melting well that's it you know that's the only thing and that and thankfully you know they wanted young kind of exuberant guys and they they paid great. We had full benefits. That's I mean, awesome. Killer benefits back then. Well, and that's the thing when you're so young and you're coming out of like high school and you're yeah. like, wow, I'm just I'd playing done, drums. And I've done one year of community college. You that's know. funny. The rest of these guys in the band all had at least a bachelor's degree from some big music program, if not masters in music. Wow. So you can imagine they're like, wait, this kid makes the same money I do. So that hints Jethro. And I mean, even just the stuff of like, you know, just getting to work on time. You know, but, I, I'd come rolling in at the last minute and they're all sitting there in the break chair like. Uh, Jethro, you think you want to get here five, more than five minutes before the first set? You You're know, like, so I learned a lot quickly. <laughs> but, it sounds uh, like it. It sounds like it's one of those environments where you're working with people that are like 20 minutes like 20 yeah, minutes yeah, 20, 20 years. years older and they're like is this guy serious no, right they've now they've got kids and you know lives I mean, they got some, kids your age yeah oh god yeah they're like the. I look back I mean some of the guys had been in like Wayne Newton's band in, in Vegas or they toured with oh gosh like I, some of the older musicians out there had worked with people I, it, this is the 80s so the, some of the older guys that I weren't I wasn't necessarily in the same band with but I would rubbed elbows with had played like you know for uh woody herman or played that's for cool. i mean these big bands and so it was i will say though life-changing that's i, I that. always say that's even though i wasn't in school in one way i was kind of at the university of disney because i was yeah. getting my ass handed to me daily well the it, fact that you showed up every day and still came there and played yeah you must have liked it well i did and you know i began to realize i was scared to death to play drum set in front of any of them i didn't want them to hear me play but the nice thing is that we were paid to be there with a lot of free time and we have yeah. this awesome production facility and there was like multiple practice rooms that have drum wow. sets and dance because you know the dancers i mean any show yeah. you'd see at disney would be rehearsed in these backstage areas i feel like disney's live performances in the 80s must have been crazy it was nuts because there was so much talent all the yep. dancers were mostly out of new york we in new york and la because you had um so, you know because videos were becoming a thing so some of our our full-time dancers would be in you know major videos for like people like michael jackson and wow so i mean you rubbed elbows with some serious musicians and yeah. perf just performers, performers on all levels entertainers yeah, and it, and it was and the nice thing is to be fair, as much as I make it, the guys the guys were good to me. I mean, yeah. they, they just all they did they gave me tough love. But they had to razz you. Well, that's it, and they were like, and they kept me straight. And I will say it was kind of funny. The first group I was out there, we were only out there eight months. They had been there for two years, but by the time they added me, eight months in, we come off vacation, and Disney gives us notice. Hey, guys, we're gonna cut this group. That wasn't uncommon. They would oh, change shit. out ensembles, but it was basically my first experience being fired professionally, you know. Oh. And so I was like, let's just I, use laid off. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like, I was like, well, what's happening? They're like, well, Jethro means we don't have a job anymore. Oh. So back then, though, they'd give you like a month's notice. Nowadays, they would have like they wouldn't tell anybody. They'd have security there and just escort you off property because um, you know be worried worried somebody's going to go like postal or something. But they, sure. oh, the, yeah. to be fair, the uh, the the company was great and all the guys 
knew like that we would be hired in other bands, there'd be opportunities. Sure, they're so, just like re-theming. Re-moving, reorganized, moving things around. Exactly. So how long were you at Disney then? That first stint was just that eight months full time. And okay. so I went during that time at once we got laid off as luck would have it the university of north florida's big band came through doing like a, a promotional uh kind of they were on a promotional tour recruiting kids sure. well the head of that program used to be at north texas there's a guy named rich madison and he had taught a lot of the guys in my band okay. so when they came through a lot of it was like a faculty band and so our guys knew all of them so they came and hung with us and they all to a man are like Jethro needs to go to school. Oh, and, that's funny. And so Rich, on the spot, had me play for him. He's like, you're okay, kid. He says, you need to work on your reading. But, you know, because he had me he put a few sure. charts in front of me for stuff they were doing. Next thing I know, I had a scholarship, and I went to University of North Florida. And that's that's where I really got started to get serious. But the, the funny thing is, I was only there a year because I got hired uh, to play on a cruise ship in hawaii oh my god <laughs> so well, that's like that no that's that's also like the way of being a musician it's yeah. like you have to take when the opportunity, opportunity comes exactly. to you because that's what people wait for yeah and you just don't you don't really get to i always, i call it hopping from lily pad to lily pad it's always <laughs> you feel like a frog like you're just trying to you know get mm -hmm. get to the next thing and the fun and i had the blessing of rich you know he was kind of teasing me a little bit because i Came, I did the cruise ship gig in the summer after the one year at North Florida, and I was supposed to be coming back to school because we'd finished. I had a four month contract, and he's like, and then I got offered another full time job at Disney. Oh, I mean, oh. I literally got the phone call in my cabin. I don't know how the heck we, I guess we were docked in Honolulu. I woke up one morning and, you know, I had a phone in my room because we had a pastor crazy. cabin, and they're like, hey, one of the leaders of the group at Epcot's like, hey, you know, Jethro, you want to come back? Man, we've got an opening coming up this month. I heard your contract's up, you know. But and, and so I had to choose whether to go back to school. So I had to call Dr. Madison and go, hey, I'm going to pass on my scholarship this year. And he's like, babe, you can gig your life away. You know, he's kind of giving me a hard time about it. And I was like, I was like, I know, Mr. Dr. Madison, but I, I really, I, I'd like to make the money and, you know, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I, so it anyways, long story longer is that, I, that is it was, funny. I, this is a theme with me with undergrad. People are like, oh, you have your master's degree. I'm like, yeah, what well, took me about 14 years to do my undergraduate. Oh, that's funny though. <laughs> so but that's how I ended up there. I, I feel like, I feel like that's, there's no other way to do it because I feel like if you were to go to school for that entire time. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Like you yeah. would learn a lot of things, but you learned, you learn a lot doing something That's exactly. with other people that are also doing the same thing and have been for years. Like that's just experience that you can't get, Yep. you know? So it's like you almost have, it, it would just make sense. You would almost have to take that opportunity because you would have missed out. Well, I see it all the time with our students where I, at the universities. I mean, a lot of them don't do much of anything other than go to school. And yeah. I'm always kind of going, what else are you doing? I'm yeah. like, you need to be like getting out and gigging or doing something. There's doing a, something. and again, not to, it's not like the grumpy old man back in my day thing. I mean, I fell into a lot of things, yeah. but the one thing, like just exactly what you said, Lisa, that, that thing of like, when those opportunities present themselves, make sure that you're, you know, being, being present and mm -hmm. and keeping, you know, I, I, I liken it to like being kind of a bulldozer. You've kind of got a broad blade and you're trying to do a little bit of everything. Yep. It's jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. And that's I kept I kept coming back to school like I'd take courses and stuff. But sure. to answer your earlier question, I ended up being with Disney. Then once I came back that second time, that would have been because I was on the ship in 89 
And oh, in the middle of all that, I'd also marched another year of drum and bugle corps with this oh group, Suncoast Sound. So, because because when the band, the first band got laid off, yeah. I was open for the summer until I went to UNF in the fall. And my friend out at the parks, who's still one of my business partners to this day, John Campes, is like, hey, Jethro, aren't you like 19 or something? I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're still young enough to march drum corps, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. He says, we need a snare in Suncoast. I said, I'm not paying to march drum corps. I've been getting paid to play music. Now I was all cocky. And he's like, he's like, I'm not saying we'll figure out the money thing. I, I'll pay your dues or I just need a guy in the snare line. Oh, that's I was like, okay. funny. So that summer of 88, I marched. Then I went to North Florida. Then I went to Hawaii in 89 Damn. and then came back to Disney in the fall of 89. And from then till 90, almost 92, I was full time out in the parks. Okay. Uh, a band called Future World Brass was what I came back. And then okay. eventually got asked to move over in a group called Future Core. They were Future Core was kind of like an all-star drum and bugle core group of guys. And this That's a cool name. This John Campese I'm talking about, he was the snare drummer in that group. So they brought me over again as a bass drummer, but now I played three bass drums. Oh my god. We're like like if you see drum core, it was very high energy brass and that's sure. a lot of the bands at Disney were um because it was their you know, easily mobile, you know, and you can move around there. They would be brass bands rather. Now we of course oh, had, I see. You had combo sense. groups with drum sets and guitars and stuff, but those were mostly associated with the shows. Okay. I'm worked more in the atmosphere side. Okay. So, so, but all, all the while, so while out there at Disney, I also, that's where I began to get into the local rock scene in Orlando. Cause I was getting out and, you know, I mean, I'm meeting got, people. Yeah. I'm 20, 21, man, making all this money. You know, I was like, I was partying my ass Perfect. off. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what sleep was. <laughs> you know, you also didn't need sleep then. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I, well, sleep. no. They, well, the joke was, they're like, they knew where to find me. I'd be on one of the couches in the break room between sets. I'd that sleep during so the funny. day. I'd sleep, and then they'd be like, Jethro, let's go next set. I mean, five minutes before set, I pop up, and I'd, I, I was, I didn't realize I was training for tour bus life. Yeah, that's and, that sounds like it. Well, and at that point, that's another word. It's funny now. If you say tour bus to me right now, I cringe. I see them on Sunday morning coming in. I'm like, ugh. Ah. Yeah. With their trailers behind them, I'm, you know, I've spent too much time. But at that time, yeah. man, I wanted to be on the road so bad. Of course. And here I am with this great job. If I had realized, I mean, I'm getting paid like killer money, you know, vac paid vacation, and I could still gig at night. That's I could, awesome. But I didn't know. You know, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to go on the road, man. <laughs> so by 91, I was pretty much, you know, like I, I, me and my little rock bands in Orlando, I've, we had our band, we were could go on the road so i quit disney that's I, that's yeah. crazy and i just bought a house too i oh bought a house like, like three, three months prior it's almost like doing it backwards you're like oh. i'm gonna buy a house and you're like i'm totally quit this job i'm gonna go on the road and people are like you just bought a house you're like ah but i want to go on the road yeah you know? it was i could barely afford to live in my own house so that's why i had a whole bunch of roommates i i rented to half half my friend base i'm like hey do you need a room that's actually <laughs> not a bad idea that's people how i kept that i kept that house for six years in orlando oh <laughs> so. my god God. Yeah. So uh, when you were when you got with your band uh, mm -hmm. and you mentioned it was like, so this would be the early 90s or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, 90, like kind 91, of, kind of like getting into the height of the alternative music scene. Well, as you know, what is funny is that the hair band world was kind of dying off for us in the southeast. There was this big scene. I mean, it was really eastern U.S. I think they called the A circuit. I don't know if it was up y'all's way, but it was you had a, a little lot, bit before my time. Yeah. For, what do you think, Dan? Dan might know. Do you ever hear that, Dan? Like the A circuit? They, they they were like these rock clubs all over the eastern U.S. Oh. I mean, I would play as far north as Michigan with this. And ironically, this is funny. You know what the band was called? ISIS. ISIS? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Long before the terrorists. <laughs> so, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm just I like, ISIS, like... 
like the Egyptian god. Like, yeah, that's I'm what thinking. it was based on. That and there's funny. There was actually a cool metal band, I guess, that came along <laughs> later in the '90s or 2000s. So people like will hear, they'll see my resume if it says something about ISIS. They're like, "You were in ISIS?" I'm like, "Oh no, no." I'm like, "No, obviously not the terrorists, and no, not the metal band." Bro, so oh my this, god, you're, this was you're like a band. Specify. We we were basically a cover band that like had bad originals. Um, but <laughs> but Dan, I think you've met Jeff Coffee. That uh, he's he's done loud jams with us. He's a great singer, bass player, but did a lot of the drummer. I know the name, and I that know I must have met him. If y'all ever saw, like when we about. did, uh, he did the Van Halen and the Police uh, drummer jams. He okay. was he did a lot of the Police songs. He sings yeah. just like Sting. Well, he went on and got the gig as Chicago's lead singer. They That's got right. The, that Peter Cetera spot. Oh no. Jeff okay. is my friend from Disney. We started out as student musicians together. Oh my god. And so I. The, I'm jumping ahead, but that's the reason Jeff was up here doing drummer jam and stuff is I had invited him up to do no, loud jams. No, this is natural part of the conversation. Yeah, like, let it, let it flow. <laughs> Good. Well, I think that um, Jeff and I were out at the parks at the same time, but I think he'd gone to Stetson at the time. He was actually a trombone performance major. I didn't, okay. unbeknownst to me, I didn't know he sang. And I, you know, I knew he played bass, but I had no idea he was the kind of singer he was. Sure. But, People he, keep their little hidden talents oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's a real unassuming guy. Like, he's an excellent trombone player. I knew him for that. But he was one of the few horn player guys who was cool to me and was a friend. He was my own uh -huh. age. He wasn't, like, you know, snotty like all the old guys. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm always very candid. I tease those guys about it to the day. You know, I'm like, you know, the jazz snob, jazz police. Um, <laughs> ironically enough, now I love jazz. Back then, I hated it. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I want nothing to do with it because of those guys. Because they were all, yo, cats. Ah, like, sides and they're throwing you shade you oh, know and you're God. like i lived ah. i lived with three of them paul the drummer guy i'm talking i was a huge jazz guy it had to be tony williams or elvin jones or philly joe jones all the joneses you know <laughs> and and i'm over in the other room in our duplex you know playing mr mr you know and that the police <laughs> and then our neighbors on the other side of the duplex were two of the trombone players we worked with and they were you know they were hardcore jazzers and yeah you know, I, I mean i love all the guys as people but for that, that time period so jeff this jeff coffee that i'm talking about was like the one of my few friends out at the parks that i was like man finally someone i can relate to and so we loved like you know we'd be back then we were digging on journey and things like bad english hell yeah yeah you know like any of the rock bands of the late 80s early 90s and um and like you said that the alternative thing was coming on mm -hmm. but we were actually we're typical musicians we were following the the the, the thing that was on the downside mm. we were going to go be this a circuit rock thing that had been happening in the late 80s but was already dying it by, was already by the time we decided to go on the road yeah and got like a booking agent we were basically playing the dying scene for 91 and 92 too, while oh alternative God. rock was taken off, right? So we, this band ISIS, we'd play anything from Toto to Pantera to Ugly Kid Joe to, I mean, Neil Diamond eventually. Oh, we, that's funny. Our, we, that's funny. The way it was weird because I we lucked out. We had this great singer Kevin Williams, and then Jeff was okay. playing bass, and he's a great singer. And so some agent, I forget his name, Joe Gada, Joe Gada, or the, I, it doesn't really matter. But there was an agency called Showtime out of North Carolina took a liking to us. We couldn't get arrested in Florida. No one would do anything. But these guys in North Carolina liked us. And man, to their credit, we went from starving, eating ramen to where we became kind of like the band on that circuit. Wow. And if you know who Damon Johnson is here yeah, with Brother Kane, absolutely. It's where I met Damon way back. He, they hadn't even started Brother Kane yet. He was oh, just wow. playing around Birmingham. So it's from that time period, early 90s. So when you asked me in one of your questions, you know, we were kind of talking about like with rock and sure. you know, what albums. I've always said that I've it. I 
I actually started out to go like very aggressively by that point to be a rock, you know, progressive rock guy. Because yeah. you know, I thought I, I thought I came across that somewhere. Yeah. You talking about? Oh it. gosh, yeah. I mean, we were in that band. We with we play all kind of rush tunes. We played a lot of like I said we played. You Toto. set it out to do it. You're like, I'm gonna do this. But it just sort of didn't. It wasn't in the cards because all my singer songwriter friends, like the guys from Sister Hazel or the mm-hmm. band, we'll talk about House of Dreams that brought me here. They were all like Kenny Loggins and James <laughs> Taylor, and and they'd always want me to play. <laughs> drums for him so that's but during that same time period in the early 90s jeff and i were touring like crazy we playing five nights a week in different bars from southern michigan dayton ohio wherever and you know just getting burned out we realized after two three years like this is going nowhere and we knew our songs weren't very good you know we had recorded an album or two and they were terrible (laughs) you know the guys were so convinced man this is a hit it's like you know listen to someone down on music row talk about that and i was like i don't think these are very good (laughs) so it it became but i had these friends i'd grown up with in gainesville like i said ken and uh andrew from sister hazel but before them it was a guy named uh, jack sizemore and got britain cameron they britain still lives here jack used to live here but he's in jason aldean's band so okay. if, if you see aldean he's jack's the uh, bald shaped head guy playing guitar opposite okay. kurt and i actually did see jason aldean play a small private party back in 2016 for or maybe it was 2015 for mm-hmm. cma fest for acme sure it was, was it was maybe it was for his fan club or all only the people that had certain things but yeah i got up there and saw him for a little bit so. yeah jack would have been there i wow. think jack jack and i were working with chuck wicks till 2012 2011 maybe it's 2011 i forget when jack switched over to aldine's band well see that's the crazy thing is that like you can remember the people that have helped you along the way yeah so well and then the people that you grew up with in florida like like you said, there's something in the water down there too. You know what I mean? Because sure. it's like all these people are still playing music nowadays. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. No, it's 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 a funny thing because I mean I don't have any ties to the Petty Camp or anything other than I mean I worked for Stan Lynch, the drummer from Tom Petty, um, from the original Heartbreakers. Stan would hire me to, as he says, he doesn't work in the mailroom. That's what he calls playing drums. <laughs> so and that's actually through Chris Nix. We Chris and I both would do work for Stan way back in Florida, just like you know regional like I, what do they call those custom projects you know basically some some act that stan might be producing but yeah that's i you know the traditional things friends hear me being from gainesville same high school they assume i have some ties i'm like no i've yeah i mean i met the skinner guys years later being up here you know opening for them when i was in tracy lawrence's band and playing with sister hazel but i'd never cross paths with any of those folks it was just like you said there just is a it's a very fertile because you know university north florida is in jacksonville yeah and while i was in school even that short stint there the one year I played, I had friends that were in this reggae band. Well, the drummer for the reggae band also played with um, one of the Van Zant brothers. So oh, you're, nice. it's like you're always kind of, you were circling around and between there, Orlando and Gainesville, I was, and even Tampa, I was just lucky to be around a lot of good musicians. Well, and I think that when you're circling in a scene like that, it's no different than circling in Nashville because it's it's like you're all you're what is it six degrees of separation oh, gosh, but it seems yeah. like it's less than that yeah, it's it's like, it's, it's like three <sighs> degrees yeah d- of separation so it, it's like you get a chance to run into people over and over and over again and if they can rely on you and if you're good at what you do yeah. 
that's what means a lot. Well, and again, like what you said earlier on to start the conversation, you know, if you're somebody that people can you know, get along with and be a good hang and that, yeah. you know, you're so kind to me, but I, I, I have a lot to learn on that too. That, like you can get, talk to enough people who've dealt with me at different times. I can be a pain in the ass. Oh my God. No, I mean, seriously, I, I, it's one of the things I admire about Tyson. He's so unflappable, man. You see him run rare hair. That guy will do everything. You'll never see Tyson get pissed. I get pissed. You know, <laughs> I, I don't suffer fools. Like, but and that's I, okay. And, but, and you know, and I mean, and I mean, I, and I, that sounds like I'm judging. I mean, I, my, I mean me as a fool at times. It's, I don't, I can't hide much. I've got, I'm very, yeah. you know, I'm Sagittarius. I'm very, either I'm very happy. You're or, out there. Or I'm, or. <laughs> You're going to let people know about it. But that's, that's cool though, because then it's like people know where they stand with you. Well, that's it. And I that's, don't, I want to be authentic. That's what it is. It's the authenticity because I was like, it's, it's the honesty that people appreciate because when we talk about when you talk about other music scenes like you know I mean where Dan and I grew up like I think there's a lot of that just the pettiness that comes from things there's a lot of good things that oh, come sure. from it too but there's you don't see a lot of that in Nashville but like the worst thing you can do is like be really sweet and kind to somebody yeah and then be like I really fucking hate this person yeah you know what that's I mean? like we don't I, need it I and, and yeah. well, like you said, something that you described earlier when you were talking about really made me. It's something that I'm happy that that's how I have been perceived. Like when you said about seeing me at a show, hanging yep. out, because I sincerely just wanted to be part of something, and I was hoping certain things would exist. And I just, at least at that time, you know, we'll talk. I'm sure about with that with Loud Jam stuff. I, I just I didn't have any vision that that would become what it became sure. I, you know i honestly was just hoping to get some friends together who i had gotten to know through the years being a sideman here and thought man it'd be cool if like you know i've seen well i'd seen other people do it billy yeah. billy block had this big show the billy block show um there was a jam that was at douglas corner actually mervin who owned douglas corner was one of the people kind of encouraging me to take over because gosh and i can't think of his name is Super. Douglas Corner still around? No, it, it's closed now. There's something else <laughs> in its place. But that's where we started Loud Jam. So yeah, started that back that. in 2011. But wow. yeah, and I can't think of the uh, guy that was doing it on Sunday nights. And I didn't want to do Sundays, you know, because back then I was married and had my little boy. I said, you know, what about a Monday night? That Because I know everybody's available. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of how we started to do that. But yeah, jumping back to kind of the, the, the 20s and playing, that's exactly it. Is I... I lucked out. I kind of pivoted, you know, or the lily pad mm -hmm. hop as the band ISIS thing. Ironically enough, ISIS went on and became a really successful Vegas band. Really? Kevin, the leader, had a very clear vision of what he wanted to do. Basically, he wanted to build like a great corporate band. We had all okay. kind of had enough of the road thing, but he had very just great business acumen. Yeah. And so they built that became a thing. And Jeff and I stepped away from it, but they kept rolling. And I mean, they, they were like for years at Bellagio and like in the late. 90s when yep. Vegas really boomed yep. and into the 2000s and then eventually I think Kevin they came back he's from Biloxi so they you know it, it's it's interesting because there's so many ways that like musicians can play mm -hmm. and it's not just like you have to be touring or you know recording drums like yeah. people forget there's a large part of like People pay to have corporate bands. Oh, gosh, yes. You know? They're super successful. Yeah. They're some it, of the best paying gigs you'll do. We, we always used to joke, where the tux make the bucks. Yeah, where you know? the tux make the bucks. <laughs> so I put myself through undergrad and college down in Florida. <laughs> well, see, and I knew people that had did that, that had um, been a part of doing that. I, I knew a guy who I, I took drum lessons. I took like three drum oh, lessons. Cool. Apparently, I was good, but I wasn't... Um, <laughs> I just didn't show up to like my last one. I was like, hey, I'm sorry I didn't show up. <laughs> kind of flaked out on him. But um, 
he was like, yeah, good rhythm. And I was like, thanks. All right, I'm going to keep this going, you know. So, I mean, but whatever. It was a fun time. But he played, um, that's what he did for years. And he would just, like, go to Florida or, like, travel or, you know, he'd be, like, a week somewhere. So there are so many different ways for bands to make money. I mean, everybody wants to think about, like, stars in their eyes and big tours and and that stuff happens but yeah. there's so many other ways especially in nashville for working musicians oh for to sure play and that's the one thing i've always really enjoyed about being here it, where it's such a cultural difference because you know my first my first time here i mean i still don't feel like i've been here for very long but i've been here for eight years yeah but it doesn't it feels like a blip you know and i'm still amazed that I worked with so many musicians and they were playing and gigging at the time yeah. and they would just be like, Hey guys, I need next Friday off because I have a gig and everybody's like, okay, cool. Yeah. That never would have happened. Yeah. You know, like where I'm from because, because it's a totally different environment. It's a very different culture. People like, different it's kind culture. of, ex- it's expected, you know, it's that expected like, that you fit that in when you can, yep. but like putting it as a priority here and making it music city. But I don't know. I just feel like that's, I mean, it's it does so much for people yeah. when you like appreciate the art that they make and they're like yeah we get it you got a show yeah. like that's important you know well and that's in that's just the support in mm-hmm. you know like people's because i think you know so many people are very passionate even if they're not necessarily a musician they may be kind of hard to live in this town and not be just kind of into music in into some music. way absolutely so how did you uh so you're in the 90s you're mm-hmm. playing you're touring now you're kind of getting over that. Did you come to Nashville immediately? No, no. I actually uh, started to, I got, the as the one scene died off in about 93, uh, 94, the, the original band scene really college, in the college, which is where I would prefer to be. I okay. realized I was like, you know, again, <laughs> at the end of the day, sometimes motivated by girls. I was like, man, there's like way more pretty girls at these <laughs> college shows. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so Jeff and I started playing. I, dro- I drug him up to Gainesville to play with this Jack that's from Aldine's band and our, our friend Britton. That they were a songwriting team, and Britton was the lead singer. Sure. Britton actually lives out by me in Kingston Springs now. I mean, oh, he's been out there funny. for years, but uh, that that band was called House of Dreams, and that was okay. our that was the first thing I did with guys who could really write songs. I mean, these Jack and Britton are legit songwriters. You yeah. just as soon as I kept telling Jeff, I'm like, man, my friends in Gainesville, they're like they write good tunes and they were just playing as a duo. Right. They they had had a band and they just wanted to have a better rhythm section. And I told him what a great, you know, by then I knew Jeff was a fantastic singer, harmony singer too. And they're like, well God, that'd be perfect. We cause I because eat Jack and Britton are excellent. So that's we started going to Gainesville all the time and then playing them and they had just they got a record deal with a, a independent band uh, I mean excuse me label uh, Ichabon out of Atlanta okay and you remember that band Dead Eye Dick uh, Mary Moon Mary Moon she's uh, it's like sounds a little yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. a vegetarian <laughs> don't yeah, yeah, eat yeah. me she had that like they had this like one hit, hit wonder that like came out they were that was on Ichabon okay and so. House of Dreams, our album was put out on Itchmon, and it was nationally distributed by Red and everything. It was pretty nice. cool. So that's what we were doing around 93, 94. And in the same time period, I'm still living in Orlando. We're going back. Jeff and I are going back and forth to Gainesville and then going out on the road with the guys, playing around college colleges. Um, there's a whole bunch happening at the same time. 
my one of my longtime Disney buddies, who's a bass player and a singer, but also a vocal coach, is working with this young group called the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and oh, I heard of them. They, my, yeah, yeah, I think we know who they are. Yeah, right. So they're they're just <laughs> being assembled by this guy, you know, this Lou Pearlman and and Johnny Wright, who had man had been a tour manager for N- New Kids on the Block. Well, so Mark says to me, "Hey, man, they're having they're going to have a band audition. Do you want to come out and audition for the drum chair?" He says, "They're going to they've got about five or six drummers." They're looking at he says your name came up you know because they thought you might it's kind of up your alley i said mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah sure well i go and i mean the other drummers were like most of the guys who were my guys i looked up to out at disney i didn't think i had a prayer oh so you knew some of these drummers. oh i knew all of them they were all oh. like i could name them even now and they were like killer they're, they're the, the show drummers they're the guys playing drum set at the park back when i'm just playing bass drum yeah so i thought i, I don't have a prayer but what the heck i'll have fun sure it's a classic example of what people in this town growls about when you get guys maybe my agency some tw- 25 year old get a gig why did he get it i've been doing blah that's because they they fits the gig well the they gig. saw me i fit the gig at the time i was like right. 26 into hip-hop i liked i looked they're the part. probably the i think they're about the same age well and and the boys like the oldest I, no i wasn't even that old that was, was i was probably maybe 24 because kevin the oldest of the backstreet boys was just a little younger than me he's okay. the, he was the base the dark haired yep they're like one that looks oh like, i remember kevin yeah. i'm gonna date yeah. myself but i yeah. was a backstreet boy girl oh i didn't go. mess with nsync and kevin was my favorite <laughs> oh okay well i got many a story kevin Kevin was my running partner because we were close in age, and and Kevin actually would come over to the house because the other guys were he, Kevin was done with school. The oh, other guys funny. were still having the tutoring and everything. In what high school? Uh, they were like down there in Orlando. They're oh, being oh. not homeschooled. They had tutors because the, oh, okay. they would rehearse all the time. Well, when they weren't. Wait, are you talking about high school though? Yeah, this is when they would have all been they high school. They were in high school? Yeah, they That's were just hilarious. Out of, the boys, oh yeah, Nick was only 13. Oh well, my when God. When I worked for him, Nick was the youngest, obviously. Oh, that and, is um, funny. Yeah. I had known uh, Howie from another youth group thing I'd been involved with in Orlando with the Magic Drum and Bugle Corps. Howie, okay. they'd had an outreach thing, and Howie had been one of the singers. That is so funny. I, I, so when I went to the auditions, Howie saw me. So there's that. Oh Howie's my like, God, another connection. Uh, yeah. It, so I did not get the job because I was the best drummer. Matter of fact, our percussionist, she had audition for the drum chair too and she's pretty good drummer fantastic percussionist her husband though mentioned in sync her husband was billy it still is billy ashbaugh her name's jenny ashbaugh billy her husband's a bad ass and like they love him but he was on tour of tour with turbo b remember it's getting it's getting it's getting kind of hectic yes yes he was over in europe so he wasn't available if billy had been available i would never have gotten the job you think so oh i know so he's like he's so much better than me and at that time especially and you know had tons of experience but so all i ever heard from jenny's well if billy were here (laughs) i was always like billy was here i was like well well thankfully he's not right now so but fast forward billy eventually became nsync's drummer Oh, that's so. So that's that's hilarious. Because NSYNC was a little behind. Be- yeah. Backstreet was developed first, and they were uh, the NSYNC guys. What's funny is I didn't never knew Justin, but my roommate Chris did. They worked in a group together called High Tones. Okay. Joey Fatone sang in it out at Universal. Okay. So and and um, and then Justin and I think maybe Lance, one of the other ones, but I never knew those that's guys. Funny. I, I And the funny thing was, I was a sub out at Universal too. This during this same time period from '94 yeah. to '96. I was doing a whole bunch of different things. That's the House funny. of Dreams band, Sister Hazel was developing, so I was playing with them. Okay. I turned down being in Hazel because I was so busy with Backstreet, and I got them their drummer, Mark, who is still their drummer to this day. Wow. Mark had 
graduated from North Texas, and I told them, I told Ken, I said, man, there's this guy in Tampa who's excellent, I think, and he wants to be in a band. That's so, some, like, long-term commitment. Oh, to yeah. To be in a project like that for that long. Oh, they've been, I mean, those boys are still, you know, they're still on a bus with a trailer, and they wow. still can play 70, 80 shows a year, you know? I mean, they, wow. I, I just subbed for them. Well, I just played on their new upcoming record. I played percussion two weeks ago, because they do their That's albums crazy. here. But I, I, I was out with them in February, and Mark called me the other day to see if I could do July. Like, I'll fill in for him on drums, sure. but it's my son's birthday. July 15th I'm like I can't do that one buddy so we go we're like family I've I the sister hazel guys that's a whole theme unto itself they've anything I've done in Nashville I came up here with House of Dreams and Jack and Britton and Jeff but the hazel guys are who really put me in a lot of opportunities I got and connections came through them because they were so respected sure it's funny they're not known as like everyone's not like oh sister hazel's the greatest band ever but they are the most well-liked and connect they they've helped everybody yeah everyone owes sister hazel one it seems like zach brown to name i mean it's crazy who all they know well i i feel like you're the same way like Uh. you know a lot of people and i feel like you're always good to like support other people and i feel like you take that support and it's like you're you're really part of the system that makes this scene oh thank you yeah, i i mean that works together and flows well isn't it funny like i'll give you a great example y'all probably know you know brandy with the residence rock sure. residency brandy worked at our way back with house of dreams because fast forward a couple more years we eventually got a record deal not Ichimon, but a, a real deal with rca new york okay in that interim i had moved to california with a funk band lived in san francisco for two years that's a whole other story but you're out having living your best yeah, life yeah basically and jack and Britton <laughs> and jeff talked me into moving back and they're like dude we've got management real management now that was here in nashville <laughs> so this is like 97 98 well we also had to get a business manager this guy clyde bright well who works at clyde's office brandy brandy oh. worked in the front office so i've known brandy she was a, it became a standing joke years later about back then we just you know she i don't know if she was there when we first got with clyde but within a few years i just remember her real gruff she had a gruffer voice than me mm-hmm. and she hey guys what's up and we loved her we thought you know this is a cool rocker <laughs> yeah. chick you she's know hilarious. she's awesome and but they that's where we go to have our taxes done every year oh, that's well funny you know that band eventually rca didn't like the album we did we did our album with you guys will know probably who keith olsen is he's yeah. the guy that produced still in the night and all yeah. that stuff that's that's who produced house of dreams okay. and we did it at goodnight la next door to sound city okay sound city was still going in 98 so we spent two months out there did the big three hundred thousand dollar record and everything and we're coming back and forth wow. here and um but you know they just didn't go anywhere the radio didn't mm-hmm. like the songs they did it, they were trying to make us like a, a to put us in a rock realm and we weren't a rock band we were these guys great harmonies and then they were trying to make us like savage garden or something it's just another band that i really loved i'm dating myself back here but i'm not i'm not mad about it i will tell everybody people know i like backstreet boys and i like savage garden okay (laughs) great songs i listen to it they're great they're catchy and you know and that was funny i i don't have any qualms about anything i'm looking right in the camera when i'm saying that (laughs) well Um, like you said you know and you what you were you brought up about the the can i'm glad that that I hope that's what my if there's any I feel like that's rep, important to you and like yeah. and like it's important to like, get back I don't want to yeah. be it, it doesn't need to be all about me I already put my dumb yeah. name all over all that stuff Tom Hurst presents <laughs> I'm like only and I will say the reason I did it was only that at the time I was like the TH presents thing was like at least my friends would be like oh this is Tom's weird little jazzy jam fusion thing because that's what loud jam started <laughs> as this is yeah. Tom's weird well, jazz I, I knew at least my buddies from the road would be like what the heck is loud well back then it was called the oh, loud sure. it was the players loud jazz jam it was oh, some ridiculous yeah. long title well you want 
you want to make it so like people associate something to it so they know what it's about they know to show up they know they have like an idea well and like you said about the 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 we kind of the it's not an iou we've are friends there's a friendship from the road you know and yeah. you know as brandy put it brandy used to te- tease me when i'd come in to do my taxes some years later all right tom what crappy country artist are you playing for this year <laughs> like she always you know because i sounds just oh, like her. that's totally that's <laughs> sounds why when, exactly like something I mean, she would say well when they started the residency and i mean that's the thing is i always said but you know crappy i joke with her i was like singer. i wish i could be in a cool band brandy but it's, i just keep getting hired by the 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 the, the, the not so cool and again, not to bash anybody I work for. I'm so thrilled. But no, but, you're like I just keep getting hired by um, country artists to have money. <laughs> well, that was basically it. I was like, you know, it's just like Disney. I always ended up. All my friends would be in like the cool band, but they'd be starving. I always yeah. had a job. Yeah. I've that I will never. You know, there's the things that like you know. I'm like, man, nobody's gonna blame me to say like Bucky Covington's the coolest dude on the planet. Like as an artist, right. but he's a sweetheart of a guy, and the guy employed me for two years. And I mean, I think I played probably. Heck, 130 shows with him in one and, year, and you, and because of that, it like makes you appreciate him so much more. Oh I would think. gosh, and as a friend, you know, like yep. we we couldn't be from more different backgrounds. Just like Tracy Lawrence, I mean, we're from two di- totally different worlds. Tracy's like family to me, man. He was so good to me, and you know, that's so. It's it's kind of funny how circuitous it can be. You know, you don't choose your path; it's sort no. of it chooses you. Yeah, like you you kind of show up for it, yeah. and then what happens? happens from there which now i'm glad that we're talking about all of this because i want to name a couple of well i kind of want to get into a couple of people that you played with yeah um so i have to i have to write this well i wrote this down because i was like i i don't want to i don't want to leave anybody out but so you've played with Tracy Lawrence, you've played with him for a really long time. Last eight years. I left left that gig in 22 just because I just wanted to get off the road. Wow. TL has been great. He was great to me. Yeah. And I mean, people know him because he started, I think, right out of high school. Yeah. Tracy has, Tracy's got what, like 18 number one songs. He sold like 15 million records. I mean, he's, he's, he's a true icon. And I mean, I, I didn't know the first thing about him. Well, when see, isn't that funny? Like when you show up, you're like, "Hey, how's it going, guys?" And you don't, and you're just like, "I, mean, oh, I knew he was show. a star, you know." Right. And I'd open for him, but I couldn't have told you. I, I, knew, I, knew, the songs. I knew, I knew, find out who your friends are. That's just because I'd heard it on the radio. Uh, well, and it's funny because when I heard his, when we talked on the phone, and I heard his name, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's the one that sings." You find out who your friends are. Yeah, yeah. That was the first thing I knew him. Yeah. So we got that. We have Sister Hazel, obviously. Yeah, all the years. Uh, Buck Covington, yeah, Easton Bucky, Corbin. Yeah. Uh, Lee Bryce, who I love, I yeah. love Lee Bryce, Lee's, and he's a sweetheart. They, they're that's all. Cool. That's the other thing. That's the two. I'm, it, I'd be redundant to say it. Every single. I have been so fortunate. I have not worked for an artist here that I have not been like, man, they are good people. Like, well, right to me. I have a feeling that you probably wouldn't go back if that was the case. Yeah. Your personality just strikes me as someone like you said, like suffer no fools. You'd yeah. be like, I'm not really interested. It's just a job. You it's don't need. I, I, I've, I've counseled musicians, friends who've like been treated badly in gigs. I'm like, yeah. man, quit quit give your notice do yeah. it professionally quit there'll be another job and they're scared to death they'll lose i'm like no man Walk. i i could see that yeah. too it's intimidating do it correctly do it with sure. class and thank them for the thing and say i just you know i you know it's yeah. kind of difference it, there's not there's no shame in that there no. and there's no shame in just a, a job job right there's no, we're not preordained that we got to play music for a living i've always held that to myself i'm like hey i've, I've done all kinds of other things sure but anyways not to digress no, yeah. no of course like that just adds to like everything that you do like this this palette of like art that you're creating like it's like it's like um you know 
looking at a picture and it's like the mountains, the river, yeah. like, you know, the wildlife, like you're everything there. I don't know why I was talking. I don't know why a painting came to mind, but no, no, but the pasti- kind of pastiche of yes. like, of your life. You're yeah. not, not everything is just a mountain. You might, the river could be the other elements of work and totally. things are your creative things. I, yeah. it's the same thing. I mean, I always say with the artists, heck, I was the bigger pain in the ass. They, they had to have me on the bus. Yeah. So there's, I, I talk too much and there's, I've certainly got my moments <laughs> where I'm no pleasure to be around. So I'm very grateful that a lot of those people put up with me for as long as they did, to be honest. Well, I feel like that they're probably very lucky to have you and they know that. So, um, cause I can see that from you right off the bat. Um, so you played also with Joe Nichols, mm-hmm. the Backstreet Boys, Tiffany, which is that was cool. cool. Yeah, that that's felt, cool. And things like Joe Lee, Lee, some of those were just me subbing for friends. Like sure. um, I filled in for uh, probably about five shows with Joe mm-hmm. um, over a couple different time periods because his primary drummer is uh, Wes Little, fantastic drummer. At the, and Wes was starting to do some stuff with the good, really famous guitarist Robin Ford. Okay. And I just happened to be available. And same thing with Lee Donnie. His drummer is a monster too. And um, uh, they they were having their first child, so I covered some dates there. Easton. David Black got hurt, who's one of my best buds, mm-hmm. and uh, like right at the beginning of the Carrie Underwood tour, they were literally starting that next week. Was he uh, playing for Carrie Underwood? Yeah, he was playing for Easton Corbin. And oh, Easton was, oh, and they, they were playing they with were Carrie. They were the middle act. I got on, you. So Easton was the middle act, and there was a group called the Swan Brothers from uh, Off the Voice. They were the opener. And okay. so I ended up doing that entire Carrie tour in, what was that? That was 2016. It was between my two stints with TL. And so I, I think I was out. We did that for about four months, probably about 40 some shows from wow. basically August through the end of the year okay so that was cool and see easton's from trenton he's from right outside gainesville florida and Ah. went to university of florida okay so we really hit it off i i knew his one of his his grandfather's best friends had been my neighbor like we had yes crazy small world so so yeah so there's people like that and tiffany was totally out of left field that's how did that happen i mean that's just weird 2012 right before tl hired me i wasn't very busy chuck wick said we weren't doing a whole lot and i was just freelancing and my neighbor down the street here in east now Nashville and over in Englewood was a, is a guy named Dave Cohen. Everyone knows him as Dave Ross Cohen. He plays on everyone's records now. Okay. But at those days, he was still in Joe Nichols' band. Oh, okay. And we were just buddies. We knew each other from the road and, you know, being in the neighborhood, we'd walk dogs together and stuff. He one day calls me and goes, hey, man, you want to go to Singapore? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that sounds cool. And he's like, he's like, well, man. That, so you're like, man, that just Oh, out of, came yeah. in out of and he's like he, get, he he plays it so cool like I really didn't get it he goes yeah there's this gal that's uh, she's got a show over there and um and we'll play with a couple other acts like Howard Jones and Wang Chung and I was like oh that's cool he says yeah he says uh but she'd like to meet you so you know because she likes to kind of meet the people they're gonna work with her I said sure he said we do a couple rehearsals and then fly and do the show in Singapore I'm like heck yeah that'd be neat yeah you know no big deal so I go down to Bongo Java in East Nashville and the five points and t- to meet this girl and she comes in we get talking you know and i don't think anything of it i you know i forget why my my son's mom heather had to drop something off for me so she comes in wait you met her and you didn't think anything no this okay, it's I'm even, let you it's tell even the, better it's okay. like I, i'm sitting there clueless okay. heather walks in and looks and goes and goes and i'm like what and she's like, Tom, you right didn't tell She's like, Tom. And, and well, you weren't a girl in the 80s. Either. At that point, Tiffany goes, yeah, I don't think he figured out who I am. She says, she's like, it's really refreshing. <laughs> and, I, and I went, oh, like because she had inter- she had introduced herself as Tiffany. I just didn't recognize her. She doesn't look right. like, you know, I mean, she was a teenager back she was then. She was a teenager back then. Let me tell you something, too, about Tiffany. 
girl is a soul singer. Really? That girl can sing. Like, That's you know, awesome. Janelle means Rachel Rodriguez yes. level singer. Wow. And matter of fact, her backup singer, if y'all know Jennifer Friend, I mean, Jennifer's yeah. like killer. She's just like Janelle. And and for people that don't know, yeah. people are listening to this, uh, Janelle Means and Rachel Rodriguez are two like very talented, oh. soulful singers that two play a lot in the most respected in town. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Janelle Fantastic. has her show, Soul Vibes, yes. which she... She built that really like she's so cute. She asked me years ago, Tom, do you mind if I start a show? I'm like, mind? I'm like, it is my call. I said, can I play yeah, on? But that sounds like it's, exactly how she would say oh, it. Oh, she's, so she's so sweet. sweet. She's, she's you, you know, and she was killing our shows. And by then, I think she was kind of she and Rachel were kind of coordinating our vocalists, you know, because Yvonne had been doing it. And I, no, I and and that's exactly it. Tiffany is of their ilk. Like she's like wow. walk into the rehearsal, no warm up, drop her handbag and jump in and start belting and nailing. I mean everything just killer in today tiffany's a talented talented lady and so i felt wow. like a total dolt i'm like oh you're that tiffany <laughs> and so well funny enough fast forward a little further and tiffany's uh, uh management calls dave and says hey do you and tom want to double dip wang chung needs needs keyboards and drums because the guys in wang chung play guitar and bass respectively okay and you know unbeknownst to dave i may i've mentioned remember in excess yep. the police Another one of my favorite bands was Wang Chung. Oh, that's so you funny. You know, everyone's like, everybody have fun tonight and, you know, and dance hall days. But I love, like, warmer side of cool. I mean, I knew Wang you Chung. You knew their songs. And I was into them. And so Dave's like, damn, Tom, I didn't know that. I've got all fangirl. He's like, ah! he's like, you really? I said, dude, I love Wang Chung. So we get on oh, back. And back then, funny. Zoom calls weren't a thing very much, you know, at this time in 2012. We did a Zoom call or some whatever it was, Skype with them. I think oh it was Skype. Gosh. Zoom didn't exist yet. And I'm like beside myself. I'm talking to them like this. I'm, ah! And, and you know, so Dave <laughs> tells him, he's like, Tom has knows, like, Tom's already learned because they had sent us charts. I learned like every single song. We're only going to play with them for 45 minutes. That is I, funny. I could have done two hours with them. And, and so oh when we got gosh. to Singapore with Tiffany, we had rehearsed with her. Well, we had to rehearse with them. So he and I are like, you know, running on a couple hours of sleep and we go to, they drive us to some industrial rehearsal park in Singapore and I walk in and meet the guys and you know, it, we're Nashville musicians, man. You learn the material. Yeah, you And learn it. Dave is a monster musician. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, we're just playing one song after another and you look at them and it finally we get about, we've played through their entire set and we never stopped once and they looked at it, they're like, and that's, you know, and they're, I can't do the English accent thing. They're like, you lads, something about Nashville. You guys take this serious, or, you know, or something. <laughs> I forget You're how. like, they... well, I hope so. And it was so cool. So then they're like, well, is there anything you'd like to do? Because we're good. We'll be great for the show tomorrow night. And, and Dave goes, I'm quite confident Tom probably has a few. And I said, can we play Warmer Side of Cool? <laughs> you know, then I'm like, uh, you remember the one you did for the movie? And I forget now. I can't think of it. It flew out of my head. So they were, and man, those guys talk about class acts too. They, after the sh- Honestly, as much as I love Tiffany as a person, I was more excited about the Wang Chung music. Well, because you you have like a memory and a yeah. history, you know you have all it's that the music sentimental that moves nostalgia, me. yeah, and the music that moves you. So how how many shows did you do in Singapore? Just the one. Just we, the one. All, we flew in. I mean, it was kind of high pressure. It was like ten thousand people singing every word. Howard Jones was the headliner. Uh, Wang Chung opened, Tiffany was second, and then Howard Jones. Dang. Well, and, I, I'm just know. thinking. I'm like, I think my whole world would be a little like off kilter if someone just plucked me out of Nashville, flew me to the other side of the world, threw me up on stage in front of 10,000 people and was like, do your thing and oh. then brush me back. Like, I don't oh, know. Trust like, me, I was sweating. <laughs> I was sweating bullets. It gets better. DA can relate to this. They were running their tracks off an iPod. 
I've got an iPod <laughs> oh, sitting next funny. to me, Dan, and it's like, and and so they, you know, because they need backing stuff too. Sure. There's additional harmonies and everything, and I'm just like, please work, please work each time because I'm kicking it off, you know. And if if you're not, you got to bail and start over, and you know, it's not like we're up there with like today's, you know, all yeah. the big acts use Ableton and stuff. Right. These guys are fl- flying like economy, oh, <laughs> and, that's and funny. but man, they were class acts. They're such good musicians. Um, it's good. on YouTube. If you go on, um, if you do like Wang Chung Singapore, you'll oh. see Dave and I back. I want to take this in a little bit of a different direction. Okay. So I think that you know that I bartend. Yep. I've I've had the pleasure of making you a couple of drinks. You have. I think I excellent. have. Excellent. Oh, thank you. I think I've made you a margarita before because when you told me you like margaritas, I was like, I think that's what he ordered that I'm day. I'm sure. I'm not very original. No, margaritas <laughs> are great. The the ones that are done, I love margaritas. Um, so. I would like to know if you are okay if I teach you how to make a drink. Sure. I'm okay. all for it. Okay. So the fun part is, is that this is not going to be something too crazy. This yeah. is something that you can make at home. Uh, you can make it for your girlfriend. Yep. I'm sure she would like that. It's going to be uh, something, I think she requested maybe something light and summery. Yes, that's what you're saying. And since her name is summer. And that, <laughs> yes, since it's summer. And that is my specialty. I like summery crisp light drinks so i'm gonna go get some stuff okay cool. and we'll be back and i'm gonna teach you how to make this sounds good all right all right tom here we are we're back again i'm gonna be adjusting my mic a little bit so this cocktail is gonna be fun because i'm not trying to throw something at you that you're gonna have to do too much work I don't want that. That's not a thing. Um, but I love making fun cocktails that I can like just teach people and so they can have a good time. Yeah. And so that being said, are you familiar with this? Yeah, I've watched bartenders many times. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to be using this to measure out uh, things. There are little like lines on the inside. Okay. So I will show you how to measure it. Okay. Um, that being said, what we're first going to start with is our ingredients. So we have... Tito's Vodka. We have a really cheap triple sack because I don't feel it's going to matter for this. Gotcha. Um, we have lemonade and then we have a strawberry simple that I made. Oh, cool. Yes. So that is like the hardest thing to do for this cocktail because like you just have to put the strawberries in sugar water and then strain it out. But gotcha. it's fine. Okay. And this is going to be extra easy because we're just going to build it in the glass so we don't have to get all crazy. But with your drumming techniques, I'm pretty sure you could shake a shaker. (laughs) So that being said, um, this is going to be so easy. We're just going to take some ice and these glasses are humongous and I still use them because I love them, but I'm telling you, you know what? My hands are clean. I'm just going to dive right in. I just washed them because I'm sure I cut those lemons. Yeah. And then we got some lemons here. I've lived on a lot of tour buses. I'm quite confident there's nothing here. Oh my God. So yeah, let's let's talk about that in between time. So yeah. uh, how long did you play for the Backstreet Boys? That's really, that. I was only with them the first two years of their career. I'm, I'm, I'm technically was their first drummer when they Dang. actually had, a, had a, a backing band, but I wasn't with them when they got big. I, I played for them until they went to Europe. 
So we would do occasional shows, you know. I think at that point, it's still like a cool thing. Now, yeah, always um, neat. It's cool to have to seen them explode into what they did is amazing. Did you play live shows and? Ah, just live shows. I had nothing to do with their recording. That's most of the recording stuff was a lot of programming. They weren't really using a rhythm okay. section. Uh, that's fight Ren. I, I, by that point, I was in California. Okay. That's why I turned down going to do stuff with them in Europe. It's my own band, uh, band, a funk band I was in called What It Is. We were moving out to California. Dang. And so I was doing both simultaneously. I was playing shows with What It Is, shows with House of Dreams, shows with Sister Hazel, and then playing an occasional show with Backstreet. Because they'd only do, sure. you know, one here and there. Like we oh, flew out cool, to though. play a BMG convention or we ah. play in, you know. Oh my God. Lives. All right. Well, that's awesome. I had to ask. Yeah, sure. So we're going to take our little jiggers. Okay. So right here, there's a little line. Yeah. You're going to pour it up into that little line. And that's an ounce and a half of vodka. So okay. you could take yours. Yep. Take this bottle. We're going to be hands on here. Right here. <laughs> yep. You're good. Oh God. Here we go. Alright. Yep, pour it in. Okay. Now you're gonna flip it over because there's another measurement on the other side. And we're gonna pour it halfway because that is a half an ounce. So it's not that bad. It's like two ounces of liquor for this cocktail. But I have a feeling it's gonna be strong. Cause I'm seeing I'm seeing okay, the ice I and everything rise. <laughs> It's gonna be great. Okay, so no problem. Thank you. Okay, so we're gonna take this strawberry simple, and I want to use like a whole, almost almost an ounce of it. Okay. Ah, it's gonna be so nice. (laughs) They make those. I mean. Still nowadays, but except that um, most places that I've worked, we don't have Midori, so it's like, it's gonna be like a uh, melon liqueur cocktail. Well, I knew what I learned the hard way as I got older was all that sugar and just an instant headache. Oh, 100%. Instant hangover, too. All right. Frozen margarita is about the only thing that we still (laughs) Totally. This is gonna be. Go ahead and pull that mic in front of you. Absolutely, you got it. Sorry about that. That's okay. Here you go. Let me pour for you. You got me. No, that's okay. Okay. So provided that I did everything correctly, okay. which we're going to find out, okay. we're going to take these bar spoons in front of us. And we're just going to stir them gently okay. to kind of mix everything up. Now, if you really, really want to do this with like, you would just do it and then you would pour it over new ice because you're going to see some of the ice is dissipating. But I kind of don't mind that. I'm one of those people... Kind of water it down a little bit. I don't mind it diluting it a little bit. I'm going to give you this lemon. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. And because I don't trust lemonade with how sweet it is, I mean, because it's sweet anyways, I'm going to put just a little more citrus in it. So I'm going to squeeze this. Gotcha. Oh, my God. I hope this doesn't suck. Okay. (laughs) It looks great, babe. It looks awesome. It looks pretty good. (laughs) good. All right. And then we're going to do a clink, and then we're going to take a sip, and hopefully this is good. So cheers. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Mm. Let's give her a try. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Oh, yes. That's very nice. Summary, huh? I'm telling you. Summary. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is 
This would be a good boat drink. Yep, a good boat drink. Oh my god! Yeah, see, I'm, okay. now I'm getting in the now I'm getting in the the mood for, you okay. know. Well, see now you guys dive. need to y'all this like return the favor. You guys need to come out with summer, and I have this. I've got an old ski nautic, an old '89, um, you know, ski oh boat. Because you know, growing up in Florida, you know, it's like water skiing and stuff. So. I, we take that out on Percy Priest. And ah! we're, we're just we're out this past Sunday, actually. So that's hilarious. Well, I can't wait to have a couple of these because mm-hmm. now it's ninety outside. I'm telling you, yeah, that's what that's why Summer was saying. And she's like, yeah, I think maybe it's a little too hot for us to move downtown. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, let's do dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which speaking of, so you also play, um, you play on Broadway too. Yeah. Absolutely. And tonight, like you're playing at Rippy's, which I think yeah. people that come in from downtown. Uh, I'm sorry, from out of town, mm-hmm. they come to Broadway and they want to see the Broadway life. Yeah. And Rippy's is a really famous honky tonk. That's it's kind of, you know, it's funny or it's I enjoy it because I really like doing the afternoon chefs. Um, mm-hmm. The Rod Jansen, who I play with, it's it's his band. And we, he was in Dirk Bentley's band for years. Nice. I mean, he, was, he actually wrote one of Free and Easy Down the Road. I go one of Dirk, Dirk's hits. Dang. He's just the nicest guy. And th- those that just didn't exist for us even well 10 years ago it probably did but at least for me i never was part of that scene there were so many you know and there's so much opportunity now to like really make a good living you know thank you tourists um and be right here you know Mm -hmm. and and and, yeah seriously thank you tourists yeah you know it's (laughs) like it's crazy i I always giggle when people complain about the town growing i'm like really i don't i mean i'm a working musician i'm (laughs) thankful yeah same thing as that bartender life i'm like oh no it's good for the rest of us too down here you know like we just got to keep them in line a little bit. Yeah, sure I get, get it. When people, crazy. yeah, people act act nuts. I'm. It's tough, but you know, I mean, gosh, I remember living in Orlando when it was booming. You know, oh in the yeah, 90s. well, that's the thing. You being from Orlando and working around Walt Disney World, I yep. mean, it's the same thing, probably. It's tourism, you tourism. Know? Uh, maybe maybe they're drinking less. I always say that Nashville Broadway is the Walt Disney World of. Tennessee. It's Walt Disney World for adults. Yeah, oh, I for say sure. that all the time. People, I say, you know, kind of our the South Vegas or whatever. But yep. And I mean, they go hard. No doubt about they that. They do. That's why I pretty much I I generally just do kind of like you know Friday afternoons and Saturday mornings down yeah. there. Um, and I'll fill in here and there. Like I did a couple things this week. I don't always. Some weeks I don't work down there at all. Yeah. But it's been a wonderful. It's honestly one of the reasons I was able to go to Tracy and say, Hey, boss, you know, I appreciate the job, but. 85 shows a year is just too much. I just wow. didn't want to be out there. He you plays know. a lot. Yeah, he plays a lot. And it's still just weekend work. I mean, we're still yeah. home Sunday through Wednesday, Thursday. But, you know, this time of year, it could get pretty hectic. And sure. you just kind of realize, you're like, you know, this there, it's somebody else's turn. There's someone who wants this drum chair. Yeah. And the, Tracy and his guys deserve to have somebody there that really is, like, fully committed. And I sure. was, you know, I was kind of one foot in, one foot out. You got into playing for a lot of country artists. Mm-hmm. So is that how Nashville really changed things for you? So like Yeah, I kind of fell into it. I mean, yeah. I am um, I'm trying to think. That's a Oh, I do know. I know how. I had to think about it for a second. Um all the way back with the management company back when we first came here, they managed a gal named Ronna Reeves and also um another uh guy, Jimmy Yuri, and there was um Jimmy's wife was uh, Amy Daly, who went on to have a deal with Curb Records. Okay. She was kind of like a Miranda Lambert long before Miranda. Nice. Really talented. <laughs> well, I played a few showcases and things on the side when we weren't doing stuff with House of Dreams for mm-hmm. our manager would say, hey, Tom, you know, do you want to play? And Will, that's Will Hogue was also, but Will was a band, you know, he had his own thing. Sure. So I never played with him. Um, but basically, you know, I began to freelance a little on in those days and then 
the band once we lost our deal i kind of went back to ford and i went for back to school for a couple of years you know that's like this would be 99 through 2000 2001 and excuse me um but jack the guitar player i was telling you that plays with aldine he and britain stayed here in town and got publishing deals as writers. Well, nice. they became good friends with this Amy Daly that I'm talking about that was married to Jimmy Erie at the time. And Jimmy's gone on to be a big writer. Well, Amy was also pretty successful, and they're both you know sure. writing. And so fast forward to uh, 02, 03, or probably was, I think it was fall of 02, I get a call from Jack. You know, I'm in Florida, and fin just finishing up my undergrad. He's like, hey, man, you know, would you consider coming up and playing for this? You know, do you remember Amy? And I said, oh, yeah, that was Jimmy's wife. He's like, well, they're not married anymore. And he says, but we write together and everything. I fast forward forward is Jack and Amy ended up getting married. Ah. They, have, they have they have a son now. Jackson was like 13 or 14 or something. Uh, so it's kind of funny. But yeah, so Amy got the deal with Curb Records and she was managed by Toby Keith's manager. Oh, okay. And so we ended up in the uh, winter of 2003 going out on Toby Keith's uh, Unleashed Tour and it was Rascal Flats was just coming up. They were... Did you say 2003? 2003, yeah. Holy shit. Time has really flown. Yeah. I'm like Rascal Flats. That was it. Yeah. Flats was just, they were just getting established. They were yeah. the middle act. We were the begin, the opening show act, and then it was Toby's, you know, deal. Wow. So it was all arenas. It was cool. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever done a real arena tour, mm -hmm. you know, because I'd piddled around with like Backstreet stuff, but I wasn't with anybody when they were big, you know. Sure. So it was cool to do that. And that's really, that was my first. And, and from that, you know, I started meeting, you know, you can imagine we did 40, 50 shows over a five, six month period. Okay. And you just meet so many people. And I began to get calls for other opportunities when I wasn't doing stuff with Amy. Now, I was still back and forth. I wasn't living here full time. I was still in Gainesville a lot. I was teaching down there. I mean, in the interim, I didn't mention the part. I auditioned for John Mayer in 2001. Ah! They, he was really nice to me. We played together for a couple of hours in Atlanta. They, you know, they just, did, they just, I wasn't a good fit. I, I wasn't a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I don't think I played that great. You know, and once I saw the drummers he had, you know, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Ironically enough, I'm really good friends now with Near Z, who played on his records, like oh, Room for Squares. Near lives here and plays on everyone's of albums. Of course he does. Yeah. Everybody lives here. Yeah, everybody lives here now. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so yeah, so I, during that time period, I was kind of like wanting to be a sideman, but I didn't really know how to get in it. And that's so the Amy really got me started in the country market. Cool. And I, over the next few years, I worked for a handful of different artists from 03 to about 06. Okay. But then the Sister Hazel guys, really, they're who kind of put me back in the mix. I'd fallen out of it. I was just playing out at Disney a lot for mm -hmm. and uh, back in the parks and got a call or no, I know. What was it? Oh, I got, I went out to Vegas to sub for some friends that, that old band ISIS I was talking about. Yeah. Played for a month for them at the Bellagio. And right as I'm finishing up, I get this call from a band leader for Trent Tomlinson. He says, hey, are you in Nashville? I said, well, I can be. I said, I'm not currently. He says, well, uh, you know, our bass player subs with Sister Hazel, and the Sister Hazel guys spoke very highly of you. So this That's is how funny. I get to come to the audition for Trent. And I think they had auditioned like 20 drummers. They didn't like wow. anybody. and They were picky. They were being real picky. And they joke with me. They're like, half the reason you got the gig is you showed up and you didn't have a China symbol. they like drummers are no notorious for having way too many symbols and mm -hmm. stuff. They're like, you actually had a simple kit. And we're like, okay, I kind of like this guy. And mm -hmm. so, so I got that job. And I have to say that Trent Tomlinson gig went put connected me into playing for Bucky Covington, which then led to me playing for Chuck Wicks, which 
all three of them, I opened for Tracy Lawrence during that time period. Okay. So I'm literally getting that job with Trent. And so thanks to Steve Cook, who is his bass player, who's, who's been with Phil Vassar for years now. And Steve was the one who subs with Sister Hazel. Yeah. He fills in for Jet, the Sister Hazel bass player. So I owe Steve and the Hazel guys and Trent so much. I mean, I, you know, I mean, literally, you know, I could count like a thousand shows I have done since then wow. because of that one job recommendation yeah and i mean and i'd done a good bit up here prior to that you know i'd been on probably a few hundred you know national touring Mm -hmm. shows and stuff but man to like i just it's such a great example you know because people see you on the back end and think oh well you just made this happen no i mean i'm just Mm -hmm. really fortunate you know i mean you got to do your homework but it doesn't matter we all know i know so many crazy talented people that don't get those opportunities well that's what it is and i think that's why people come to nashville because they have a love and a passion and a dream they're chasing. And like most people know that it's work, but it's also a lot of like opportunities and people come here for opportunities. Like, I mean, everybody always makes a joke now, like stop coming to Nashville. Mm -hmm. Like we're full, you know, but sure. Sure. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, if, if it's anything that I could tell, like, musicians or other bands if you really want to do something you have to go somewhere where everybody else is doing something yes exactly that you is know, perfect advice that's just i wish i'd come here 10 years prior it, it makes sense for it um i also like i mean i've been a bartender forever i had a friend who was managing one of the um major hotels out in vegas now i can't even think of it but uh she was trying to get me come out there to bartend oh gosh. and i was like i you know i mean i just wasn't i wish i had done it because it would have been a cool experience yeah. but it was just one of those things it, it it's like you have to kind of if you're serious about it you've got to yeah. you have to go where other people are because it's not just enough maybe nowadays with like yeah, TikTok social, yeah, and social you, media you can do more remotely that absolutely. is true you know, and I think about that too. Like, oh, it's a different age. It's it's everything is different now, which is nice. But you still want to be here well, where that's, other people are because life is what's happening to you right now. I mean, yeah. that's you, you know, we're all, what's it always striving, never arriving. But I mean, you 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 got to also enjoy your life as you do it. Like, I don't yep. I don't like the idea of forever being like, well, someday when I really make it or something. It's like, man, you know, this is it. This, this is what is you're it. doing. And so you might as well be doing the things you like mm-hmm. with people you like doing it with. Yeah. You know, that I, uh, means that means a lot. I think it's all about being in the moment for that. Like life is happening right now. Like you well, said. And, and you know, I, I kind of, you can kind of feel the ebb and flow of life too. If you know, whatever your, wherever your faith is, wherever your heart, however you approach life, I feel like, you know, there's things in the universe moving you in mm-hmm. a way, if you're open to it, mm-hmm. you know, I always believe if one door is closing, that you're probably standing in a room, there's a bunch of other doors open, you mm-hmm. know? And like you said, when we're coming back to the, the that was, it was a, a happy, accident with loud jams i didn't intend loud jams to be this big networking thing but it is that's it became in a cool way and it's very it's gratifying i i don't do that to like break my arm to pat my own back what i mean is it's really cool i'm like man cool i was at least able in some small way to pay it forward Mm -hmm. for all the people who've helped me yeah so anytime i hear about somebody like i've had so many people tell me man i met so-and-so at loud jams and now i work with them or you know, so-and-so, and it doesn't have anything to do with me. I didn't do anything, but they maybe connected through playing on stage sure. or talking at the bar. And I'm like, man, that's gratifying. That yeah. if, if I, if there's nothing else, it's what I, that's why, again, I can't say enough about Janelle mm-hmm. and Tyson and uh, the, the Ivans brothers that put on their show. Yeah. All and these Yvonne. guys. Yeah. Yvonne, yeah. of course. I mean, I just uh, saw her recently. 
Well, there randomly, is, I haven't seen her since COVID. I randomly saw her like uh, at the airport. Well, let me tell you, yeah. there is no Lal Jams without Yvonne. I know. Yvonne is is why it happened because many a many a late night text of her encouraging me, saying these are great songs. Like I remember That's I was awesome. sharing a I shared a song list with her, and we had already done it as the Loud Jazz Jam back when it was like a jazz fusion thing. Sure. 2011, 20 through about fourteen. Oh, but, it's been going on for a long time. Oh yeah, time. but not the what. What most people know is what once Yvonne got involved, because mm-hmm. during that interim, I was floundering with it. I just did it to get a bunch of people together to play like crazy jazz fusion stuff. And have a, have a good time. Have a good time. You know, a mm-hmm. few times, you know. And then I started to book a lot of my friends who had all the like Michael Whitaker, all the like mm-hmm. kind of cool, the Hemby brothers, anybody that had like great jazz or just weird music that like you couldn't. Back then, there wasn't much of a jazz scene in, in Nashville, which is shocking. Uh, yeah, I could see that. When yeah. you see now we have Rudy's and everything. But yep. in, in 2011, it just there, there were definitely some great musicians, but there weren't that many venues. So I just thought, well, hell, I'll just be one little, little sp- pop up venue yeah well, i'm at least i'll do my small part you know and i would book mm-hmm. those guys but that fell off and in 14 um my my son's mom and i you know divorced mm-hmm. and i had the opportunity to go back to grad school and it was real amicable we just realized it wasn't working and we wanted to make things work for the kids sure. you know i had a, my stepdaughter from her previous marriage genevieve so i got the opportunity to go to university of florida to go back down where i'd done my undergrad but to do grad school now this i was definitely on the ex- expeditious let's get this done plan and i was already in tra- by that time i was in tracy's band i'd been with tracy lawrence since 13 and so yeah. heather and i just were like well man this makes a lot of sense we can kind of do a nesting plan I'll, we'll share the house be there with the kids i'd go back and forth so i was down in gainesville a couple days a week i'd fly back forth take classes come wow. back be with the kids. It's a lot of traveling. Oh, yes. Tons of traveling. Yeah, I, I mean, was, you were primed for the road at that yeah, point. Yeah, and I was already out all the time with TL anyways. We were doing it. But it, it, it actually worked great because I could do a lot of my schoolwork on the weekends out with him sure. on show days. Because I And then once I was home, I could be daddy for a few days, you know, for Brian yeah. and for Genevieve. And then fly back down, do my classes. Because thankfully, grad school is, you know, so truncated. It's very focused. Yeah. You're not taking a bunch of classes. I'd have like a Monday night class for three hours, Tuesday night, you know, maybe a Wednesday. And that'd be on the flight back up here boy i've racked up some miles with southwest but um i was on a full graduate assistantship so everything was paid for oh nice so i even i was even getting a stipend monthly i got insurance so all That's cool. i really only had to come out of pocket a little bit for some southwest flights and i booked them way in advance sure uh, Bryant still like jokes about he was little he used to be like daddy southwest plane because he knew i was on one like every week <laughs> so, That's so cute. um the not to totally digress with that but that's that time period once i finished up grad school i got the itch to do loud jams again and by mm-hmm. then during that time we had done more of the nashville drummer jams when we weren't really doing the loud jams much at all okay they had kind of taken a back it, seat. It, it, it totally i kind of shut it down and we it really i i called it loud jams back then no one else did it was still the loud jazz jam and it i thought it was done well, that summer of 15, once I was done with school, pretty much wrapped up with school, I think I had like, I was, I graduated with my master's in like December, but I had met Yvonne doing drummer jam. She had been a backup singer for us and we sure. really hit it off and I thought she was awesome, loved her musical taste. Mm-hmm. She introduced me to Steve Cunningham and oh, he's uh, you know, Steve's awesome. They're both like, they're musical mavens. They know everything about, <laughs> you name a band, Kevin Packard who works at yep. Pearl. So there was this little cadre of friends who I, like they had similar musical tastes like me. They're like, Tom, that's great. You want to do jellyfish and but next to Queens, right? Next to Duran Duran? Hell yeah. You that's know? cool. And so I was like, oh, 
okay, that's not too weird. And by this point, I'd been trying to convince Nick's and Tony Nagy and uh, golly, uh, Tom Rohde, rest his soul, he had passed away, our percussionist. Mm-hmm. But Kerry Green, Kerry kind of fell by the wayside. He didn't come with us. But that had been the original house band at the Old Drummer. Okay. And I'd always pitched to them the idea that we would learn these songs and then back the singers. Well, that's a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Well, by this point, I thought, what if we just did it where each band each song is a different band lineup we don't have to learn all the songs but i can just get them to learn one song sure. now to he- these days everyone does that i mean yeah. that's like at that time people have looked at me like they're like wait you want me to learn exactly this one song one to song. come play it for free right i was like yeah and <laughs> this is where yvonne comes into play because yvonne created our you know family of singers i don't mm-hmm. i wouldn't know janelle now i, I did bring rachel and rachel and i go way back sure. i actually introduced rachel to all of them that's i couldn't funny. believe they didn't know her but that's kind of the impetus the real what people know now when they refer to loud jams was summer of 2015 into the fall and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention bev miscus sure bev's yeah. the one who did all the promotional stuff and i yep. forget i think we had met her through rich redmond that's she had interviewed rich for something and so she came in, she was living in like DC. I don't know how she got involved with drummer jam in some okay. capacity. So I asked her if she'd help us. I said, Bev, I'm terrible at the promotions part and I want to do this jam thing. And so I'd show her the song as she was the same way. She's like, these are cool. So then she would make these photo collages okay. and based on my song list. Right. And Yvonne would get, man, I don't know how she did it. She got some of the best singers to come sing for free and you know singers don't really need to do that kind of nonsense they're usually working and, yeah. and they're like okay sure i'll come especially sing. in nashville they're yeah. working all the time know, and then i'm like want them to come sing some obscure t-ride song if they even are <laughs> dan reed network or you know right. these obscure bands and i and man that's all yvonne like i i that's will cool. always 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 people anytime anyone brings me up with loud jams i'm like yvonne is smith is really the she's the queen of the loud jams she's my friend you know and really it took off because of her because we her the way her stewardship with the vocalists because Mm -hmm. you know i'm wanting to do songs if you don't have singers good luck I, I had all the musicians coming out my ears. That was yeah. no problem. But to but find... You need singers to do... I remember, Dan, you did a couple oh, of them. Oh, yeah. Dan did Yeah, them. did a few. Matt yeah. did. Four, maybe. Yeah, uh, that was a blast. Oh, their whole crew, as I call them, the Rochester Mafia. Yeah, the Rochester Mafia. <laughs> I was Mafia. like, they were all... They're my go-tos. <laughs> I was like, hey, guys, can you do this? And especially if it's like some cool, hard, yep. you know, like challenging songs, I'm calling Sean or him. You or, did the <laughs> Cisco Kid song, which, I, forgive me, I don't know who who did that. Um is that Cisco war? Kid. Yeah, yeah. That's war, like same low riders guys. Yep, that we did do it over at the was it the not the Mercy Lounge. Was it the Mercy Lounge? Nah, or the some, Mercy Lounge was it, great. Yeah, it would have been in, in a high watt upstairs. High watt, that's yeah, what it is. that's right. High watt was that. pretty much we were at when in fifteen into sixteen, we were still at Douglas Corner because Mervin I and I Mervin Luke is I I wouldn't have done any of this without him. He can, he That's encouraged so cool. me way back when the, the show sucked. There was no one there. And <laughs> he like, was still no like, one's showing up to this free show yeah. where all these incredible musicians oh, are playing. We'd have like all these kick <laughs> sucks. Butt. Yeah. I mean, initially it was pretty popular, but the musicians kind of waned on that when mm. it was the loud jazz jam. But once we went to this, when we started in 15, it really caught fire. And yeah. that's when Tyson showed up in town. He had come from Kansas City. And yep. I remember... I remember him coming in like mid-fall. So we didn't move. We moved to High Watt again, thanks to Yvonne. Mm-hmm. I had no connections there. She was good friends with Todd, who owned Cannery Mercy Lounge. Yep. And she brokered. He, Todd, loved the drummer jams. Okay. He, he saw, we were doing those over at X and N. And we had just done the Alex Van Halen one. It was super successful. That's David Parks. I mean, yeah. Parks, he had asked me to help him with drummer jam because yeah. he saw me doing loud jams. But, sure. but the drummer jam was David's idea. I was just okay. assisting him. And then Chris was the musical director. But 
that's Todd wanted that in Cannery. And oh, he says, I well, see. He says, you know, and Yvonne, like she and he and I stood in Mercy Lounge one night at, a, at, a, at a, I think it was a rock residency show. I don't know what it was, something. And basically brokered a deal of like, he's like, well, I'll put you in high watt and won't charge you the production fee. So I, I had no expenses. So people always ask me about loud jams. They assume we made some kind of money. I'm like, no, I literally never made a penny. Nothing. We never charged. You never we, charged for it. No, thankfully the venues never charged me though. Oh, either. That's the cool. only time I've been charged, I did pay out of pocket um, for basement East. The last one we did right after COVID I had to pay a five hundred dollar production fee, and you Which know that's very just, small. In yeah, comparison. it's pretty minuscule, and yeah. and I love Mike Grimes. Grimey did every they did everything they could, but they can't sure. waive that. That's a big venue, yeah. and so I just couldn't feasibly do it. I get a lot of people ask me, "Why are you not doing loud jams?" I'm like, "Well, part of it, I was burned out. I did like fifty shows that's a lot. from fifteen to present. Yeah, that's a lot. And and by COVID came along, and I was like. Phew, Thank you. Well, we, needed, <laughs> I, we needed a break. I, I was, you know, I mean, I was in the parking lot the night after a loud jams the night that tornado hit. I remember we we had just, I just left. Were you was, really? Oh, I was just driving out back <gasps> out to my house in Fairview at the time. And I see, I saw the lights go out in Germantown as a tornado came in. I didn't realize it was a tornado. I just, wow. I just knew there was a lot of wind. So that's we. That was the last loud jams, uh, other than and then COVID happened the next month, and so the only other loud jams we did, we did one show at Basement East in twenty. What would be uh, spring of twenty one, I guess. Okay. And that was great. We had like eighty musicians, almost four hundred people. Well, mm-hmm. it, in terms of someone who's been to them and who's had the opportunity mm-hmm. to sing for a couple of them, and yeah. Dan has sang it. Thank you so much because they were so much fun. And I just always loved going there and checking out meeting so many cool people too. Meeting people and listening to people play. Like it's it's fun to get to know them and network. So I know that a lot of musicians really appreciate that. It's, um, yeah. No, it's great. And I'm grateful uh, because it's to y'all. I mean, you guys, over the years, we did over 800 songs, had probably 700 yeah. musicians. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like, oh, my I'm, God. I'm, and, and to watch all these other shows who've grown out of it, which honestly are all much better run. <laughs> I watch Rare Hair or Soul Vibes. I'm like, they're so much better than Loud Jams. And that's directly response. I mean, I'm talking about me. Oh my the coordinators God. did a great job. I'm just saying I'm the, I'm the slacker. Well, you are very <laughs> humble in your... In your assessment of yourself, I don't know if people would agree, but no, I, we appreciate it. I'm just happy. It. I've, y'all made it, it. The people that participated are what, what, you know, like people always go, who'd be your audience? I was like, oh, I just invited enough musicians. I figured each of them would bring at least one person. We'd have 150 people there. Exactly. You got 75, good. you know, plus a, plus a friend. <laughs> or That's so true. Another. Well, speaking of, um, mm-hmm. now you said that you were talking about teaching a lot, and I want people to know this about you. You play, you've got your graduate degree mm-hmm. in music you know a lot of people teach mm-hmm. but you really teach you teach at like college level yeah i've been doing it now it's crazy to think i was uh, this is my i've just finished my fifth year at university of north alabama dang and fourth uh this past year was my fourth year at university or excuse me lee university down in cleveland chattanooga basically yeah. and then i just did my first full year at tennessee state so i'm an adjunct wow. i'm ad- i don't have a, a doctorate obviously so i'm i can't be like an, a full professor sure um which i don't know that uh-huh. i'd want to be it's a lot of responsibility uh, that yeah. i work for like my my boss at, at 
TSU, Derek Green's awesome guy. He's got his doctorate from Memphis, but he also has to run the Tennessee State Drumline, which, yeah. by the way, our aristocratic bands won two Grammys. Hell yeah. They're the first marching band in history to win Grammys. And That's they got, hilarious. They, they got, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they got Spoken Word album and um, oh, cool. uh, I forget what the other Grammys for, uh, but they just performed at the White House. I mean, they are the AOB is like, you know, they're respected. That's in the, pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're, if you just look them up there. And so Derek, my boss, Derek Green, he, he's our primary percussion coordinator, you know, and then I'm the, I specialize in commercial percussion and um, Elijah Holt, everybody knows him around town as Didi. He's a killer organ, a multi-instrumentalist and great drummer. Works sure. with like, uh, gosh, they do the soul uh, right over here. What is it called? A uh, Sunday night soul oh, down yeah, at the five yeah, yeah. spot. Yep. Uh, Jason. Oh, they've man. been doing that for a while. Oh, they've been doing it for years. Yep. So Didi and myself and, and that's so, another cool show to go oh, to. If people yeah. are looking for something you to do. talk about go to Sunday night soul. And yep. it's um, cause I work sometimes with Rob Curitan. Cause you know, again, man, my heart and soul kind of, I'm weird. Like I love the rock world. I wish I was as cool as a lot of my rock friends. I'm just not, <laughs> you know, like Damon Johnson's nice enough to hire me when Jared Pope is out doing it. When J- Jared does the Tom Kiefer gig, yep. when he can't do a Damon Johnson show, I play drums for Damon. Oh, that is funny. And you, you would think again, I'm such a fangirl because you know, I'm like, those guys are like legit rockers. Yeah. Damon even got me. This is funny. He got, uh, during my time with TL, I flew out to LA to audition for black star riders. Okay. Um, thin Lizzy basically, yeah. but the, in, in Love and, thin Lizzy. and crazy thing is I almost got the gig. It came down. There were nine of us that auditioned and, and it came down to me and the guy from breaking Benjamin Chad Zuliga. Or, Jeez, okay. And so, uh, I get a call from management. They're like, Hey, look, we're, the guys are really seriously considering you. They like you. Are you seriously wanting this? Cause you know, we were over in England and they're like, and it's the, and their thing was like, our problem with you versus Chad, you're both great drummers, but Chad's really well known. He's, you know, done breaking mm-hmm. Benjamin. He's known in the, you're mm-hmm. kind of an unknown for us mm-hmm. for rock. And I'm like, like, yeah, Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm, well, no, and I was, I'm like, I'm the Nashville guy. The bass player even said to me, I remember in the audition, I played about two songs and the bass player looks over at me and goes like, who the F are you? He's like, man, where'd you come from? He's like, I've never seen you here in L.A. You're like, like, I've been hanging out in Nashville and, and for years. And Damon, Damon didn't let on. You know, Damon never told them that I was his guy. They just oh. had nine different drummers auditioning. So Damon's over there acting like he doesn't know me. Oh, that is and, too funny. Because he didn't want to just sully it, you know. And I was just like, oh, man, I, I said, I, you know, I didn't mention Nashville. I just said, I'm kind of new to town. <laughs> you know, because only the managers would know who was who flying in. But anyways, point of all that babble is that coming back around, I also just love like R&B and soul. And I do now mm-hmm. love jazz so much and it's one of those things one of my one of the things that was an ulterior motive with loud jams i wanted to get like phil shouse and jeremy and ryan all the there. guys that play for kiss yeah, yeah up there or, or, um, well yeah with for gene simmons yeah, for and gene for simmons. ace freely sure and i wanted to put them if possible interact them or da you know like on stage with you know um, Jason Eskridge or mm-hmm. Janelle Means. And I love Jason. I, I wanted that so cross-pollinization. Cool. So to see everyone, and Tyson does it all the time now, mm-hmm. and Janelle does it with Soul Vibes, it's the most gratifying thing is to see all of us, you know, in a, in times where people are always getting divisive and stuff. Man, that's what I love about Nashville. We all dig each other. Yeah. You got Stone Cold Rockers next to Stone Cold R&B gospel people next all to the time. Total Jazzer, next to the, I've, you know, I've done nothing but play country. Mm-hmm. And we all play together and have a blast yeah. and have tons of respect for each other yeah and that to me like that was mission accomplished when i I, those you said you saw me stand out in the crowd sometimes yeah those moments i got to stand out there and like watch you know whomever if whether it was you guys anybody up there and and see people who i know don't didn't didn't know each other before Mm -hmm. and they're like coming off stage hugging and having a great time 
that's what that makes was it. oh man that's that's what i i mean i gotta give tyson you know tyson leslie man what he's done with rare yeah, hair tyson's great I, rare hair the name doesn't even begin to do that show justice he right. covers so much ground and more importantly he's helped so many people yeah everybody gets opportunity i mean you know he just messaged me the other day he's doing this big marvelous three show oh, he's nice. like you want in i'm like oh yeah sign me up that's awesome <laughs> What's your proudest achievement thus far? Man, that that is, I mean, um, honestly, I think it's a little more cumulative. It's um, finding a way to to do this, to mm -hmm. be in some way, shape, or form somehow a quote unquote professional musician, but not so much for myself. To be, I it's comes back to the community thing i'm very much a loner like i mean i don't i'm not really i you know like people are like man you know everybody in town i'm the worst about picking up the phone anyone that knows me i mean i feel bad texting like and then if you get a text from me you're going to get a book you see i am i, I text like i talk <laughs> you're like let me fill you in on everything since the I've last time done. i saw you exactly <laughs> and you know nobody cares and i just i you know vomit all my ideas and thoughts. i love it and so it's knowing that i'm like that i tend to try and kind of resist I'm like i don't want to be like my joke because I always say I don't wish me on anyone for a long period of time. Oh, well, I don't mean that to like be all self-deprecating. I mean, it's just, you know, I, but so point of like proudest achievement is just to be part of a community, to be, to feel like, you know, I kind of, you found your niche. Yeah. And to and then to see things like, you know, because Loud Jams is, uh, I'm also involved in a thing we haven't talked about, but is a thing called Infinity Percussion. Yeah. And my buddy John, the one from Disney, we started that together, golly, in 2004. And again, I'm I'm like a mediocre at best marching percussion teacher, drummer. Like I have friends who are monstrous, like nationally known for that. Who am I? But for some reason, I did the same thing I did with Loud Jams. I just started this thing, sure. Infinity. Well, Infinity's grown into a beast, and it's nothing I did. It's I just got some people together and got out of their way. And That's John, awesome. my partner, is the director, and he's the one who's made it, you know, stewards it. And But I'm still involved in the back end. And it's so things like that, like we've had something like, you know, easily 1,500, 2,000 kids pass through the, our three groups because mm -hmm. we have like a, a like a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Basically, sure. we call them A, open, and world. And to be involved in that, see that thriving in year 17, to loud jams to me, really, people are always like, why don't you do loud jams? I'm like, because Rare Hair and Soul Vibes and all these other shows, the Ivans show, they're like the next iteration. It's uh, their turn. Oh, I, I feel like Loud Jams is alive and well through them, and I just dig seeing what they're doing. I like that. So yeah, so if 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 that's the stuff, it's like to to pay it forward, just like being a player. Sure. I've had my turn. Good lord, I've had thousands of shows on a tour bus. That's all I wanted. Right. You know, I just want to get out of the way and let someone else have the opportunity. That is a wonderful thing to segue into because my next question. What is next for you on the horizon? <laughs> when I saw that, I figured you were going going somewhere mm -hmm. with that. I I honestly have no clue. Mm -hmm. I I right now it's you know it's trying to be a good dad. You know Bryant's twelve; he'll be thirteen. You know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, well, it's just, I mean, it's obviously that's important. You know, oh yeah, he, and you know, and and, and he got to hang out with you on oh, the tour bus. Gosh, yeah, he's been to third. What was I telling you? Thirty six states. That's so that's cool. All Tracy Lawrence. Tracy that's awesome. artists do not have to do that. I yeah. mean, can you imagine? When you think about it. I mean, TL just basically told me because I, I was driving to shows at times after my divorce, and TL's like, "Tom, stop doing that. Just bring him on the bus." Aww. And I was like, "You sure, boss? I don't want to impose on the guys." He's like, "No one's going to care. All most all our guys are dads. If right. anything, they were all they like, and they had brought their kids out at times, and so the guys were just like a bunch of." 
big brothers and uncles to Bryant. And that kind of warms my heart. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, and, and the thing is, is my thing is I didn't want them to be, you know, I didn't want their their lives. We have two buses, so it's nice. Tracy's got his bus, but sometimes Brian would ride over there. I remember one night, they, Brian rode on that bus with TL. I was on the other bus. That's funny. He rode, <laughs> rode to a show playing video games. Aww. Like, and he, they, you know, TL put him to bed on one of the bunks. And like, That's you know, awesome. I mean, so those guys, like, you know, I'm forever indebted. I can't say cool. enough. But yeah, I, you know, as far as the future, I'm, you know, my standing joke was always for years, you know, I'm just waiting for Sting to call. <laughs> uh, I don't think in the likes of with Vinny Caliuta and Josh Freeze, although Josh is at least busy with Foo Fighters, maybe ah! you're saying there's a chance. There's an opening. There's yeah. a small opening. There's a lot of That's people out there. That's what they need in my mediocre ass from Nashville. <laughs> uh, but no, in seriousness, I, I, you know, I will say this. Um, since leaving TL and playing downtown, because you know, you, you, if you know the, especially in the Nashville country scene. It used to be you'd kind of look down your nose at country. I, I'm just giving out country at, uh, at 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 playing Broadway. I, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not speaking out of turn. Any of our friends, man. Today's generation of musicians have done such an amazing job of changing that to where Tell it's me. like a really good gig. It's a good. Gig. Honestly, I had to bust my butt to get up to speed. These That's kids fine. know thousands of songs, and I say kids because they're 20 to 30, and I'm 54. Right. Right. Um, I'm grateful they'll have they're my still kids. they'll have my old ass out there. And like I, I mean, I was playing Luke. Brian's place Tuesday night with a band and they're smoking. I mean, these guys are crushing everything. And I'm like, thank God I've got all these charts. Cause you know, I'm <laughs> frantically, they're calling up some, Oh good. I know that one too. I mean, <laughs> if you'd put me up there, Lisa, even two years ago, I would have folded and oh, I'm Mr. Funny. All the tour gigs. Doesn't matter if you don't know, you know, if, if everything from save a horse, ride a cowboy to Stacy's mom to, you know, Nate, I mean, there's so many songs oh, nowadays. It's I've got right now, 2,200 songs in my four score app and, I still don't have enough. That's I mean, it you might songs. might be Montgomery Gentry, might be you know uh, the latest. Well, because they're pulling from everything oh, now. You know, because yeah. My whole thing is that uh, I've heard a lot of the same songs played on working on Broadway for mm -hmm. as long as I did. I've heard a lot of the same bands come through play the same songs, but now, especially mm. the younger generation, they're pulling from. Oh, you'll hear Rage Against the Machine. And, yeah, Ugly they're Kid Joe, Lainey Wilson. You know, Luke I, Combs. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something cool to think about. It's kind of gives me like a direction of like the future, the future generation. Like they're, they're like they have such a bigger well to pull from in the first place yeah. and like it's more common for people nowadays to have a melting pot of genres well and i it's think important. even the even the artists that you see coming out i don't think it's fair to slag them off as like oh what's happened to country i think what country is today is pop music today yeah, it's totally. the main i mean we were just talking about i was talking with somebody the other day now country artists can go almost i mean look at how fast Morgan Wallen or Luke Combs. Mm -hmm. These guys are just, they're stadium, multi-dites in stadiums. They're doing what Taylor does. Yeah. And they've done it within like five to 10 year periods, which is unheard of. Unheard of. Uh, it's Blake's, uh, I play with Bo Tackett, who's Blake's longtime, Blake Shelton's longtime guitarist. He's like, man, Blake, even with the TV show, hasn't done that. These kids have taken it to a whole other level. It's funny that you say that about Luke Combs because he just played a few months ago mm -hmm. and it was a, a Bridgestone. And I was like, who's? No, Two no, nights, no. right? No, Luke was in the stadium. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant Nissan Stadium. Yeah, That's yeah. what I meant. Two nights in the Nissan Two Stadium. Two nights in Nissan Stadium. I, trust me, I was playing downtown. It was a madhouse. But, and I was, and then people were like, yeah, you know who Luke Combs is? And I was like, they're like, he's that redheaded 
kid and I was like I looked at a picture I'm like I know exactly who he is I'm like this kid is playing Nissan Stadium twice they're like oh he just blew up every I'm song like, he's put out has gone number one I think and and the crazy thing Jake his drummer took took lessons with me for a long time and I remember Jake would tell me as they were getting rolling Jake's like yeah man Tom we sold out the House of Blues and you know me being typical yeah. jaded oh yeah that's great kid <laughs> <laughs> you know I didn't need think anything of right. it you know and Jake's like and I, I, I actually filled in for a friend at Losers the other night I haven't played and I haven't walked into Losers in probably well that's the point here last time I was in Losers Jake Luke Combs' drummer was there I went down I think I went down there for like the Whiskey Jam because those guys started Whiskey Jam the same time I started oh, okay. Loud Jams way back in 2011 Okay, and I, I think Kevin Murphy some friend of mine was playing so I went in and I saw Luke and he's like hey man or not Luke Combs but uh, uh, Jake he's like hey how's it going man things are really taking off for us for with Luke and I'm like oh cool and I'm like wait is Luke Combs is he that hurricane guy he said yeah Tom that's my that's my gig I was like oh you're like Fast forward like two months later, we're backing him with Tracy. Tracy oh, that is Tracy funny. had him as one of his guests on the uh, the Turkey Fried Thanksgiving, this big charity event he does at Wild Horse, and and you know from there on, I mean they've and now what's the craziest thing I didn't know is Luke's manager um, is Cappy, uh, Chris Cappy. Chris worked for Sister Hazel way back. I've oh known Chris since he was like an intern, oh and he just won Manager of the Year at the Grammys. <laughs> you just you'll never know who you meet in Nashville. It's 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 that old saying: be nice. Be yeah, nice man. and treat everybody because you the, all those jokes about who you meet on the way up and coming down and 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 trust me, I, like true. I say, I haven't bat a thousand in that department. I've been a utter ass sometimes, and I've and you know, thankfully, I've been mostly nice. But there's been my times I get full of myself too, and you know, you need all of us need a little perspective check. Well, perspective check is good, but I think that you're you're all good in my book. Well, thank and you, you. And with our group of friends and everybody we know. Just have good things to say. And I like how you stick up for yourself. So, no, thank you. I know that you have a gig today. I hope that uh, this drink does you well. Ah, it's perfect. <laughs> and uh, I actually have a little gift for you. Aww. I actually don't even know. I should have asked you if you like. Do you like strawberries? Oh, gosh, yeah. I love okay, because I made a whole thing of strawberry simple mm. for you to take to summer. Summer's going to love it. Okay, oh, good. Yeah, this, this drink's going to be perfect. We're going to be making <laughs> this one. And again, you guys are throwing all the superlatives my way. Y'all, I, I cannot say enough about your whole circle of friends and the kind of extended family. Y'all are amazing. Well, like I, That's why I always Tom. joke about the not, I say the, you know, Rochester, the, ma- the, Rochester mafia. the music mafia or whatever. Dan's, and all of, like, all of the people that they grew up with and they play together oh, every I mean, time. I can't, yeah, well. We didn't even go into Andrew. I, I, know, I, Andrew, I, I Dixon. Andrew Dixon, everything with Loud Jams, good lord. I, I, <laughs> I owe him everything, and so and it's Shawnee on the road with him way back when he was with Jason Michael Carroll. So yes, I'm so good. That, awesome y- people. Your whole yeah. crew is some. There's solid, solid folks. Well, we oh, take we you. take a lot of. Uh, we, that that feels good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks on. for having me, Lisa. Thank you, Dan. Of course, appreciate it. This was a awesome. Pleasure. You know, we probably should do a part two of this at some point. But um, now, see, I'm thinking ahead because I'm like third episode. What's the next <laughs> 10 episodes going to look like? Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. to you guys, to y'all. Yes, of course. So here's to your Clink. next your next hundred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Right, thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, you've just watched another episode of Nashville on the Rocks. And if you've liked what you've seen, please hit the subscribe button. Thanks. We'll see you next time.